Nothing's gonna ruin this joyous this, this occasion. Moment. This is our first moment yeah. back. Yeah. So this is the first live edition of the movie pub in 14 fucking months. Can we get a cheers to that? Cheers. Cheers. And what you're gonna hear, this is not recorded in order. Uh, so yeah, this is the movie pub. Um, and for this movie, we've got, uh, the lovely Emma joining us, who you guys have all heard on here before, and, uh, Matt, the dictator Castro, hello, who has done a shitload of podcasts with me, uh, since the pandemic era began, mostly on James Bond films. Yep. The John Wick episode is coming soon, I can assure you of that, it is in the can. Okay. But, while we're here to talk about the day, this is gonna be a three, um, Yes, a, th a three-parter. Um, we're doing uh, Nobody, Kong versus Godzilla with a different panel, and the Snyder Cut of Justice League with another different panel. It's going to be a three-part episode um, broken down into those three sections with a bunch of different people that are going to be going on the podcast going forward. So Matt, Emma, and I are here to talk about the movie Nobody, which came out, I guess, the beginning of April, uh, the end of March. It was released in some theaters, but most theaters kind of weren't open by then. They kind of just started opening up around that time, Yeah, most right? theaters are still not open. I, I, I looked, and uh, there was really nowhere to go see this around us. Things are opening up, especially in L.A. Theaters are reopening, but this is basically a buy-it-online movie. yeah. Um, you know, I would say Mortal Kombat's probably like the first real movie to be opening in the theaters, which yeah. we are going to be covering, but in a, in a different um, gimmick episode. So this movie, Nobody, stars Bob... Let me get this name right. Odenkirk. Odenkirk. You can elaborate on his other appearances. Uh, oh yeah, well, I love Bob Odenkirk. So if you're, if you're a fan of sketch, sketch comedy... He did Mr. Show back in, I think, the 90s, late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. Did, kind of bounced around in a bunch of little bit stuff after that. And then uh, his sort of late career, not late career, but sort of middle-late career resurgence was, was with uh, Breaking Bad, which was astounding. I don't know if you've seen Breaking Bad. Um, and then now is the lead on Better Call Saul, which is also, like, quietly the best TV show on right now. And now he's an action star. So... so is he the Breaking Bad guy, or is he? No, a... he was the lawyer in Breaking Bad. So he okay. Was, he plays Saul Goodman, who is the he's the criminal lawyer in Breaking Bad. Okay. And Emma I, and I have both not seen that. Well, I highly recommend it. It's a fantastic show. It's probably my favorite show. And then Better Call Saul is also excellent. It's I kind of a that. it's kind of a slow burn show, so you got to be patient with it. But it's great. This is definitely a. Uh, it's interesting. This is a different character for him because it's an action character, and he does not do action in the show. But it's a similar character, and that he kind of plays this like sort of sleazy average guy with darkness in him at the yeah. same time, which is kind of the character he plays wow. in Nobody. So it's a good role for him. He's my favorite part of the movie. He's a good actor. Before we get going, uh, what we like to do here on the pub is talk about the things we are drinking. So I'm drinking... Uh, drinking? <laughs> I've already had a few. Well, we watched, full disclosure, 
Dr. No and had quite a few cocktails and mini cheeses before yes. <laughs> we started recording this episode. There are probably seven cheeses. We're right? celebrating. It's the first goddamn, like, this is the first human being in this condo since the pandemic has started, correct? Well, we've had other human beings, but we have not sat this close to them without no, masks. No, like, or without masks or, yeah. Yeah, we are not wearing in masks. In a social gathering. We have yeah. not, well, I had been... Bindu and I had lunch and we were sitting yeah. six feet away from each other. This is maybe the first one that feels normal. This is definitely yeah. the first podcast that feels normal. We've been doing Zoom this whole time. So we have not been this close to another person right. in here. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm vaxxed, so we should be. We're all vaxxed. We, we are all vaxxed. We're all, we're all, all way yeah. past our... Go get your vaccines, motherfuckers. Yes, yeah. please get your vaccines. We're all well past our two weeks. Yeah. I need to go back to Las Vegas. Get your vaccines. Yes. So, I'm drinking Timeless Beauty. Uh, it's a West Coast uh, IPA. Named after um, me. Yes, exactly. And so was what I'm drinking. The, the hops is Citra, Mosaic, Cascade, and Chinook. Notes of citrus, floral, and forever. Brewed and canned by Chapman Crafted Beer. It's a very good beer. It's Orange, California. Um, if you get a chance, check them out. Chapmancrafted.beer. Apparently is it on Chapman? Is a website? Yeah, I think so. We'll have to go check this out. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I've been down there. Um, it's a cool place. Emma, really? We'll go down the line. What okay. kind of wine are you drinking? Read the description on the back. Well, it's a blend. The description is it's got, um, well, I don't know. It has a circle here and it says blend, 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 blend with a 14 in the middle. I don't know what that means. Anyway, um, it's Syrah, Grenache, um, more, more Vadir. Petite Syrah and Zinfandel. So it's red. It's a red blend. And it's called Troublemaker. And it is really good. It's um, like a medium. It's very mild. Yet still has a little bite. It's from the Central Coast. And I've never seen it before. And I assume that, you know, Mike doesn't know a lot about wine. He just knows that I like a red blend. And I believe he buys things based on the names because this 100%. is Trollmaker. <laughs> he once um, bought me a coffee named, what was it? Bitches Brew. Yes. Not Witches. <laughs> Bitches Brew. Yeah. Which was also delicious. But this is really good. This is why companies have marketing departments. So you got a yes. beer going and a well, liquor, I, right? I, I, I was, we were drinking old fashions during the movie, during Doctor yeah. Now, which we mostly talked through, but it's you know still fine. But yeah. communal movie, right? And uh, I've, I've switched to Hayabusa, also from Beachwood, a uh, light lager, and uh, but soon we will be transitioning into John Wick's drink of choice, Blanton's. One hundred percent. So I have to say though, sorry to interrupt. This timeless beauty beer, I. Mike does not like cheap beer. He likes expensive beer. But I am willing to bet that this is expensive. Maybe um, not because only it might, might be good. But the quality of the label is exquisite. Well, you, Like you could use this as wallpaper. When she says I don't like cheap beers, like I'm, I'm not – I've gotten – and this is more like Ebob, who everybody knows on this show, Ebob. Great I would put that on the Turn me into a bit of a beer snob. I don't drink Bud Light anymore or anything like that. I'm mostly an IPA guy for, for the most part. Um, so I'm always looking for like a gimmicky IPA. And I searched high and low on my break at work to find this beer. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I went to High Times in uh, Costa Mesa. High Times is awesome. Yeah. I love High Times. It's either Newport or Costa Mesa. No, it's, it's Costa Mesa. Costa Mesa, yeah. Um, you know, I, I searched high and low for something like this, and um, it's a damn fine beer. I definitely recommend checking it out. It's very light. Can I try? But it's got enough bite to it. Sure. I unfortunately had to stop drinking IPAs because um, pandemic made me start to look like Slimer from the first Ghostbusters. <laughs> that, was, that was my body shape I was starting to take on. Emma likes it. Um, yeah, so now that we got the alcohol out of the way, we're here to talk about this movie, Nobody. Um, I'll be the first to say initially, like, we'll, we'll kind of dive into this, but I fucking loved this movie. Um, it, it, it hit every note that I enjoy out of an action movie and a relatable hero that you can root for. Um, I think it hit all those notes. The payoffs were... Fantastic. Um, it's almost like a old school like pro wrestling story where you have a conflict. You have your baby face, which is uh, nobody in this story, or his name is uh, what? Uh, I shit, I cannot. Hunch Manzel. Yes, matter. the it's, best name ever. Yeah, it's just, is it Hunch or Hunch? Hunch. 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 He's just nobody. It, Hunch it, Manzel. Yeah. He's the ultimate baby face. You're rooting for the guy. And it starts out with his life is basically the same shit over and over and over, yeah. which I can relate to. I'm sure a lot of us can. Yeah. You get up, you go to work, you come home. It's the same fucking shit every day, right? And I do think this is what Bob Odenkirk does well because he does this every man thing very well, but also has simmering rage in mm -hmm. him, which is basically yeah. what he does in, in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul as well, where he's like this very normal guy that wants to be more and you can tell he's angry about it. Um, and, and that works perfectly in this. This film was delayed four times due to COVID-19. It was scheduled to hit August 18th, 2020, before the pandemic hit. It moved to February 26th, 2021. Then it was moved to February 29th, or February 19th, 2021, before going back to the 26th. And it was finally released March 26th of 2021. Um, this movie was also based on an idea by Bob Odenkirk. I read where this, yeah. Some people broke into his house. He trapped them in the basement until the police had come. And he did not like the way the police handled the situation. Now, I don't know if that relates to what the police officer said to him during this home invasion. Could be. So, basically, he's, he's going through this whole deal, right? Somebody breaks into his house. His son gets to jump on these people. He comes about with a um, golf club like he's going to hit this chick in the head with it. And then he stops. Tells his son to let him go, lets them leave. Well, and in that moment, too, what I love is you could tell, at this point, we've seen him be normal, boring guy for a few, you know, five, ten minutes, whatever it's been. Right. And in that moment, he looks like enraged, crazy person ready to kill somebody and then backs off. But he was so calm. Yes. He was very calm before that. And that's, that's the great juxtaposition. I'm probably going to reference Bra or, uh, Breaking Bad. I'm probably going to reference John Wick a lot because this is basically the same. Very movie. similar, yes. And I think it's done by the same people, or at least some of the same people. The writer. Okay, it was the writer. Okay, so in uh, in John Wick, the worst part of John Wick is every time Keanu talks or does anything that isn't action. In this movie, uh, the best part is when Bob Odenkirk is just acting because he's a really good actor. So that's all the stuff that stuck out to me was those little moments that I love. Well, going back to this whole moment where 
you know, his son was involved in this altercation with the, the robbers. Um, you know, for the, the first few minutes of this movie, you think that this is the guy who doesn't care about anything. He may not even care about his family because he's just doing the same thing over and over again. And yeah. then you see that he really does care about his family. And you see that for just a second, but then not to give away too much, but later in the movie, you see that the care for his family is very deep. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He's and 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 he has to hide who he really is or what he's done and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, you think he hates his wife because it shows him doing pull-ups every day and angrily. Yeah. In front of a picture of his wife's real estate picture, and she's giving him shit every day about missing the garbage. I did not pick up that, that was his wife's real estate picture, but that, yeah. that makes sense because that's where he I didn't pull -ups. pick up until you said something. But the thing is that you don't really see any problems. There, like they're very. He's a very nice to each other. He's a very yeah. relatable guy to the blue collar worker. He is relatable, yeah. And, 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 and the sense that I'm going to speak to here is, you know, he go, he puts his day in, he goes home. Um, you know, maybe the 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 love's not there between him and his wife anymore, like it once was. And the only thing he wants is peace and quiet. And um, he's kind of getting it from his kids a little bit. He's, he's getting it from his wife, missing the garbage and this and that. And you could kind of see, like, he's bottling all this frustration, you know? But there's something more to him there. You know, I still would like the garbage taken out in the mornings. Fair point. I will say, he should just take it out of the night. <laughs> he's got to take that shit out of right? the night. That's what I'm saying. I simple, just simple to solutions. Just simple solutions. But as a storytelling narrative, what, what, what I'm getting to is... Um, He's, you can tell he's not assimilating well to like regular life. Yeah. There's something more to this guy, right? And it's, you know what? It's, it's funny you bring that up because like I just said, you don't see any like problems mm -hmm. with him and the wife. You know, you see the, the pull-ups and everything and you think, what is the problem? Yeah. They're nice to each other. Right. She seems like a lovely lady. Right. And the kids seem like lovely kids. Right. What is his problem? Why is he not happy? They seem like lovely people. But those, and, like and those things. And then you see later that this is not really the life he thought yeah. he was going to live. Those live. things, like like you said, the garbage, right? Like a normal person would take it out at night. Yeah. But he's not used to but normal he's life. He's having a problem yeah. with being right. normal. He's not, right. you, but when those people broke into his house, you can see. That brought out. A normal person would be like, oh, fuck, you know, take whatever you want. He doesn't do that. Even when she's like, give me your ring, he's just like, no. Fuck no, bitch. Yeah. Like, I'm not giving you this ring. You know, this is one of the problems with, like, the modern issue of spoiling movies, whether it be the poster or the trailers or just everybody knows what it's about. Imagine going into this movie not knowing what it was actually about. Or, I had no idea. I really didn't. Well, I mean, I I guess by the time I saw it, I knew I he did. was going to be in some shit. Yes, yeah, that's, that's right. all I knew. Yeah, I guess by the time by the time I saw it, you had recommended it. I knew it was from the people who did uh, John Wick, so I was like, okay, I kind of see where this is going. But there was a point not that long ago where you could walk into a movie and not know what was going to happen. This movie probably would have been more powerful for me had I gone into it a little bit more blind, which is pretty impossible these well, days. Well, I told my brother and a few other people I recommended this to. Have you seen the trailer? They said no. Great. Go watch this movie. Do not watch the trailer. Don't read anything about it. Don't look into it. Go on blind. That's the best way to go into this. Agree. And I, I agree. unfortunately did not. I had seen the trailer, I think, and a couple things about it. Not See, but here's the, the thing, Matt. The trailers, I didn't know if he was going to be a badass. 
I only knew that like he was going to get in some shit and maybe he was in over his head. Okay. Which he's going to his job and like his brother-in-law is there and he's like, they do a great job of making him the ultimate douche. His brother-in-law? Yeah. He oh, shows up like the shaking worst. the protein shake. Like, yeah. hey, brah. He's in like, he's in like a hairnet. Yeah. He's got the swirlies on the shirt. Take this gun. Yeah. First of all, Michael Ironside, this is the guy from Starship Troopers. Yeah. He looks terrible. He looks terrible. He has gained at least 50 pounds. I saw Michael Ironside in the credits and I kept being like, where's Michael Ironside? Where is he? Dude. Ooh, and then I, the and then I finally, then What's I finally, the dad? What's the dad? And then I finally realized, like, like, oh my gosh, he looks awful. Yeah. yeah. Holy shit. But anyhow. You know who's still killing it? Christopher Lloyd. We'll get to still him. Still killing it. Yeah. Um, so, so to take us through um, the part where he snaps while yeah. I fix this toilet. Is someone still in there? There's a small person still in there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyhow. So. Right. Uh, the the, the part where he snaps is was actually one of my favorite moments in the movie because it, it, he snaps over realizing his daughter's kitty cat bracelet was stolen. Yes, it was something like that. And he uh, he goes to his father and finally see Christopher Lloyd who's still looking. I don't know. To me, Christopher Lloyd's perpetually been seventy five years old. Now he's since actually, Back to the Future. Since Back to the Future, he's been seventy five. <laughs> yeah, did we talk about yeah. that? Yeah, yes. yeah, that was in the eighties, and he he looked seventy five then. Now he's actually like eighty three or something. Who was an ex FBI agent? I don't know. One difference between FBI, yeah, yeah, yeah. One difference between this and John Wick is we don't get a ton of like lore or backstory. He pieces it together well enough. You get the lore with John Wick for like um, the society. Yeah, there's there's nothing. Not in John Wick's particular lore. For this guy, right. it's more of the family lore. For him, it's it's his family, and you do get a sense of what he does later in the movie, right. which I'm very interested in, and we'll talk about later because I yes. want a sequel yes. for a very specific reason. Did you watch the post credits? There was a post-credits? I'll to get to that then. Oh, okay. yes, you didn't watch them. Damn it. I went back and watched. I've seen funny. this movie twice, by the way. I, 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 I was looking, I was scrolling. Through my various break times. This entire week. I was scrolling on the post-credits and I kind of didn't see anything pop up and I was like, oh, surely, maybe there isn't, maybe there isn't. Oh, there is. We'll, we'll, we'll get, get to that, that Okay, all right. But uh, yeah, so he goes to his, his dad's house, he takes his FBI card, he starts uh, uh, shaking down tattoo artists looking, because he saw a tattoo on the person mm -hmm. that broke in. And uh, in a fairly dark scene for the movie because this movie's pretty comedic and pretty light by action movie standards uh tracks down the family that robbed him breaks in beats him up um we should talk about like the, the difference between him and john wick too because john wick is like certified badass and this guy definitely is a badass but it's a different type of badass he's like a he was a fixer so he's not like gonna fight 30 people at um, once but he, he knows his way around can i fight. stop you there for a minute yeah, yeah yeah let's backtrack before he gets to the family okay because I think this is an integral part of establishing oh, how the, badass this motherfucker is. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. So he yeah. goes veteran. to the tattoo artist, right? There's a veteran sitting down. He goes, FBI. And the veteran starts laughing. He goes, you're about 20 years out of date because he knows he's using his dad's badge. Yeah. And, um, and it looks like a scary The place. one guy, yeah, yeah, he pulls out brass nuts. He's like, you better, you know, don't be flashing that shit around here. And the guy goes, Bob Odin or um, nobody. We'll call him nobody he's, from here on. He's nobody. Or Hutch. Whichever one you want to use. He goes, there's three types of people in this world. One, the people you're trying to intimidate. Two, the people, I can't remember what he says. And three, the people are wishing you would try to take this money from me right yeah, now. Was, oh, yeah, so, because he puts down a, a roll of it's 20s money. or probably. It's a lot of so cash. the veteran yeah. sees his tattoo and it's two cards. Mm -hmm. Matt, you're a card player. It's a seven deuce. 
the worst play in uh, which game? Texas Hold'em. That's the worst hand you can it's get. The worst hand you can have in Texas Hold'em. He has seven deuce tattoo on So the veteran sees that and goes, and I'm, I'm making a shocked face for the people listening. He goes, thank you for your service. He goes in the back and he locks like four fucking doors. It's, it's, it's the most comic. <laughs> like He goes into the back and you just hear like, but it establishes. But the guy was like on like a walker or something, and he like runs. It establishes that this guy is not somebody to be fucked with. Yeah, it's it's sort of the thing that John Wick does in the first thirty minutes, where everybody's just afraid of him, and they're talking about how scary he is. Same shit. This kind of does that, except in thirty seconds, where he's like, "All right, this is a guy we don't want any part of. Let's 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 back off." I'm gonna tell you right now, though, Matt. There's a big part of me that likes this movie a lot more than the really? first John Wick. Wow. I see and I I, I I really enjoyed this, especially the second half. I think the second half really picks up for me. I, I definitely enjoyed John Wick a little bit more. Um, but I didn't I enjoyed the hell out of this one too. It took it was a slow burn. You were right. We were talking while I was watching and I was like, oh, it kinda gets to the You point thought he was gonna fuck shit up at the robbery. That's yeah. what I thought. I thought it was like, oh damn, we're getting right to the to the good stuff. And it does slow down. Um, but uh, one kind of in the second part it, it takes a weird turn because he tracks the people down who robbed him. Yeah. And he uh, gets his he gets his watch back. He doesn't get his kitty cat bracelet back. And he finds out they're just a poor couple. They have a sick baby. And it's kind of a sad scene. And, yeah. And uh, he feels terrible about himself. He does uh, get his watch. Yeah. Like he does say, get he gets his, his watch, watch back. back. Yeah. And, and he moves on. And But that's it for that, that part of the movie. That doesn't go anywhere else. That's it. It's, it that's That part of the story is done. That was a complete right. accident. Whereas with John Wick, it kind of starts with a, a rob or a, yeah, a robbery gone wrong and then builds. That's it. And then his his line is um, when he's he's coming home in like a bus from beating these people up. He's been like taking when, a bus this whole time too yeah. to go to yeah. all these tattoo yeah. parlors. And he and he says like when God closes one door, he opens another. This please open he, that door. Please open that door. And that's when he then he gets in the face of some Russian mobsters because of course they're Russian mobsters. Here's a difference though between John Wick and this guy. John Wick is resisting. Going back to that life. That's true. And this guy wants it. He wants it. Yeah, he, he, he's begging yeah. for an opportunity for this to come back. He, he's the guy who walks into a bar looking for a fight because he's had a bad week or life or whatever. Right. Yeah. He, and that's him. He, he doesn't necessarily want to because he knows that he's got his family and all that. But right. at the same time, he can't resist who he is. Yeah. And we find out later that he's saying that he, you know, he tried to do the family life thing. He realizes right. he can't. And that, that, that anger is drawing him right. back in. He's really more – John Wick was a uh, – a focused assassin. This guy's just angry. Yeah. He's looking to get something out. Right. Yeah. John Wick was a straight up revenge story. They killed yeah. his dog, uh, you know, which was the last gift well, from his dying wife. I can wife. understand that. Right. Yeah. This is more... He, it's just in him. But, at the same time, um, you, you, you root for the guy because he's doing the right thing. These Russians come on the bus, they're fucked up, they're punking everybody. They're harassing this woman. But they're kind of not. They're not. That's they're just right. hovering around her. It, you know, this scene reminded me, the bus scene reminded me of the um, uh, the the subway scene in Joker. Where it's like Joker meeting with three like Wall Street douchebag guys. Yeah. And he wants to kind of mess them up. Right down to the music choice. Right. We should probably talk about the music in this movie, which I absolutely loved. Because I have the musical taste of a 75-year-old man. And it was all... Very the old. music's great in this movie. The music's movie. great. It was all old standards. And no, you loved it. Jazz. I did? Yeah. Yeah. And on the on the bus, it was like, uh, I think it was I Gotta Be Me. He was the song that was playing. Yeah. And it's just him. A lot of slow motion. Shout out Zack Snyder. Um, 
and just he but he decides he's he's like i'm gonna fuck these people up yeah. he doesn't have to he can get off that bus they're not gonna like they're not hurting this girl so they go on the bus and he's smiling he he walks past all these guys locks the bus locks the bus driver out he throws yeah, the he, bus driver he out he told the bus driver to get the out the guys go what are you doing he goes i'm getting ready to fuck you up and this first fight scene on the bus is so brutal. It's very brutal. It's, it, I was going to say, this, this movie is bloodier than any of the John Wicks. Like, oh, these yeah. Are, these are really... You kinda, feel all these punches. You do, and they're kind of gory. Yes. Yeah. You really feel each punch. It's not cartoony at all. And at, at his first fight, he's rusty. He's kind of yeah. re, he's shaking off the ring rust. Like he, he's he, getting his ass beat a little bit. He gets bit his here. ass beat a lot. He's Emma, got the drop on them, but he's still getting beat pretty What bad. did you keep saying when they were fighting this guy? I don't remember. What did I say? You keep saying, why don't they stop? Oh yeah. <laughs> why don't they get the hit? Like, why do they keep going at him? Yeah, they kept coming and and it was obvious that you couldn't beat this guy. There was <laughs> what, like probably five, six, seven of them. Yeah. And he was he was beating them all up. Why do they keep... Why do they just... They just okay. give up. The brutality of this scene, I have not seen since the raid. Which, okay. um... Like, the guy, after the aftermath, he's like, my teeth, is it bad? Is it bad? His all his teeth bad. are missing, you know? Yeah. And then uh, he's fucking hanging a guy with a purse, and he hits the brother of... Who we'll get to later. In the throat... Cuts a slit in his throat and puts a McDonald's straw in his throat him. for a trick. Yeah, like I was like, oh my gosh! I saw that and I was like, okay, so so he has a he has a heart because he didn't want the guy to suffocate and die yeah. in his own blood. He but just so, wanted to beat these guys' asses. But they not just kill him. they like fully showed him cutting the like putting a straw in. I was like, goodness gracious, this movie's brutal. So it cuts from that to this complete fucking psychopath who is. He's going across the street. I want to get this guy's name, dude. I don't want to fuck it up, but he's going across the street, oh, and there's this like catchy Russian song playing. It's wonderful. So Emma was ridiculous. like, "I need to hear. I need to download this song." <laughs> he's singing this song. His dude. name is Julian. Yes, and I only remember that because I kept calling him Yosef, which was the villain from the first John Wick, and I was like, "Okay, no, it's Julian." Right. Julian is a Russian. He's a he's a Russian mobster who's definitely crazy, and he owns a club, and Does he, he likes to. It? I it doesn't matter. He likes to sing and dance. Well, if he didn't own it, Alexei, would let him go up. Keep in mind, like, that's why I guys, he owns it. I just want to make exactly. a, a a point here. The director of this film is Russian. Well, then you know. He have can, you have you seen Hardcore Henry? Uh, no, I've not. I know what it is. I just haven't seen it. Okay, I just watched Hardcore Henry. And I went in with no expectations, right? Yeah. It was actually very entertaining for what it was. Okay? I'm not going to say like it's this groundbreaking right. extravaganza, but it was damn entertaining. And that was one of those movies where they had to put up a, like, a notice like, hey, this movie may cause seizures because it's all first person, right? Oh, that's right. But um, I'm good, brother. But Emma will probably take some though, huh? Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. But uh, we're doing the Blantons now for John Wick. Yep. John Wick's whiskey of choice. Yes. Is it? Yeah. Hell yeah, product placement. Oh. <laughs> um, I like the smell of the alcohol. But, He's been saving this So one. this guy's Russian. Um, and he goes <laughs> in the back. 
And the Russian mob is like, dude, what the fuck? You're singing and prancing around like yeah. you're protecting all our money. And he wasn't so, he was wearing a shiny suit, right? He was wearing a shiny suit. Yeah. He also walks into his own club, presumably his own club, does a bump of coke, and then immediately and a shot and a shot, and then immediately gets on stage. And it's like I will say, I think the, the, the villain is a little he's a little bit of like throwaway Russian guy, but he's got some fun, quirky characteristics to him that I, I like. Oh, he's definitely fun and quirky. Oh, he's definitely fun and quirky, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's like a bit of um there's like a flamboyance to the guy. I don't know if they're like insinuating maybe yes. he is a little bit oh. homosexual. Um, but also insane. I didn't get that. I got more insane. I guess, yeah, maybe I could see that. He's very flamboyant. But yeah. The way I, I look at him is like he's a nutcase. I sure. didn't get homosexual. I got like Studio 54. Yeah, that's the vibe I got too. Right? Okay. He's a studio, yeah, Studio 54. Well, and they even say he's like, um, they kind of viewed him as a liability. His, his job is he's, uh, the Russians have this, you know, huge pile of cash that they move constantly, and he's currently in charge of watching it. Well, they were basically insinuating that, hey, you're kind of a you're a nutbag. Yeah, Why are but you no, your money. Yeah, but they're, they're saying like you're soft, right? Pretty much, yeah. So then he, which I guess you couldn't desecrates this guy's face and kills him. Yeah, with like blood the scariest all guy over him. Yeah, right yeah. in front of everybody. Yeah. He pulls the prison trick of finding the biggest guy in the room and right. him. So he is guarding the Russian Mafia's, like, retirement. They say it's like the Russian Mafia 401k. And it's exactly. piles of cash. And I will say, as soon as I saw these piles of cash, I thought, that is going to go up in flames. That is an obvious thing that we're going to burn down before the end of this movie. And that did end up happening. Absolutely. But, yeah. Just like John Wick. Out of the, oh, that's why I thought it. Because I was like, we literally did this already. Yeah. 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 Add a little water. It'll open it up. I know. My dad adds water. That's so, exactly what he says, too. Yeah. Is that like a it's a thing. James Bond thing? No, it's a whiskey thing. <laughs> Hutch comes home and his wife's waiting up for him. And he's like, yeah, it's been a day. So she's patching him up. But her reaction, Emma and I talked about this. She kind of knows that he's got a shadowy past. She's very clearly, well, he even kind of references it because she's at one point um, like stitching up one of his wounds or putting um, super glue in it. Yeah. And he says, hey, like just like old times. Yeah. Kind of insinuating that she's very aware of whatever life he used to have. By the way, at this point, we don't know what he no. did. That's, that is another difference. In John Wick, we know what John Wick yeah. is right away. In this case, we have no idea. A lot more of a slow burn is. here. It's right. a very slow burn. Yeah, we know he's at this point. We know he's a badass. We know he's got some anger issues, and he wants to kill some people. Um, but we don't know what he used to do. Right. Which I liked actually. I, I liked that it was a mystery. So he tells his wife, and, and this is a great acting job by both parties. Yeah. Well, I'd like to talk about the wife. Sure, go ahead. No, when you feel like you want to. What do you mean? Well, I don't know. You're about to talk about how it's great acting on both parties. Well, okay, I'll tell you. I'll tell you from um, uh, Bob Odenkirk's perspective. So he tells his wife, you know, you know, I was thinking tonight. It's been so long since we've shared a kiss. Since, you know, it's been months since we've had sex. It's been years since we've made love. And I thought that was an interesting thing to say. What is? I did too. I thought it was really You good separate good. the two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a conversation that I'm sure a lot of, you, even you and I have had this conversation. Like the separation between sex and making love, right? Most couples have that conversation too. Um, but he says, and then the last thing he says, which is probably the most impactful, it's you feel miles apart. It's been years since we've had a connection. So you speak to the wife's uh, side of it. Well, I was just going to talk about her acting. 
Go ahead. So I spent this whole movie thinking two things. One, that she was great. I agree. She was great, and she she seemed much older than I remember her. And I remember her in something. Wonder I, Woman? No. And I looked it up after. I spent this whole movie thinking, wow, this, oh, the, yeah. this, right. this woman is like, yes, you know, her husband is like the star of the movie. But she is great. She is. She's really great. And she's beautiful. Yeah. And I spent the whole movie thinking, where is she from? I know her so well. So She's so familiar to me. Where is she from? And then I had to look her up. And it was Law and Order. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I thought in um, it was Law and Order SVU, which I have seen... Almost every episode since the very beginning, and I did not think she was that good in that. When I know this her, movie, she was really good. Really good. What I know her from is Wonder Woman, and she has a much bigger role in the Snyder Cut. Oh, okay. Um, what did you think of her performance overall in this? Wait, was she the Queen Wonder Woman in Snyder Cut? Yes, I did. Wonder watch Woman's the, mom. I okay. I watched the first thirty minutes of Snyder Cut, and I thought, you know. That's a movie that I don't need to watch. And uh, <laughs> when when Queen Wonder Woman shot the arrow four hundred thousand miles to um, light her last scene in the fire, film. yes, I, I was like, nope, I'm done. That's what I'm done. But that's Queen Wonder Woman. Okay, I thought she was great in this movie, much better than Queen Wonder. She Woman. She was, yeah, fantastic. Isn't that interesting. I thought yeah. in so I thought back in the Law and Order days, she was kind of like awkward, and I don't know if it was because she was kind of interjected into a role that, you know, she was replacing someone who had been there from the very beginning. And she was kind of like a love interest of someone who had just like left his wife and it was just all very awkward and I didn't like her. Um, but I don't know if that was it, but in here she was very natural. Yeah. And, and maybe, I don't know if it's because she was kind of like in the background. I think there's something to be said too about when you go into an action movie, you know, if you go, if you watch a Tarantino movie, you expect really good acting. When you go to an action movie, you don't necessarily expect good performances. Yeah. And in this case, we got some pretty good performances. And mm -hmm. so it's kind of more surprising. Even the well, kids. The kids were good, yeah. Yeah. It yeah. speaks to the chemistry, too, of, of Bob Odenkirk and uh, Connie. Uh, I, I don't fuck, I, I don't have her name right in front of me. I was going to say Connie Britton, but that's a different... That's a different yeah, but uh, uh, it speaks is, to the chemistry. Like it was Norwegian, it was, it was really right? good chemistry. And it, it, it did work. Connie Nielsen. Okay. Yeah. And it did work because the whole point of this movie was... A guy conflicted between his past that he clearly loved and his family. Which he also he, loves. Which he also, which he also loves. loves. Probably more. Probably more, but he also loved the killing, must be said. He, he mm -hmm. liked his old job. He's drawn back into it. John Wick was all about running away from that life. Yeah. This guy wants to run back into it. Mm -hmm. John Wick was about settling the score and going back to yes. the life. Yeah, this is about... And he could not run it. Right. And this is about, I want the family, but I also love the action, right. love the drama, right. yeah, love the killing. But what we don't lose sight of with our hero, which is very crucial to rooting for this guy, he doesn't want to kill good people. Mm -mm. These are all bad guys that he's killing, yeah. which sometimes a film loses sight of that, and you don't lose it here, so you're rooting for this guy the entire time. So he has this interaction. Yeah, I just realized. What? Is that what brings them back to like the killing is the same thing. Which is what? So in John Wick, it was the the dog. 
right. that his wife left him and right. the love of, of that whole thing. And then this guy, it's his daughter's bracelet. Kitty cat bracelet. Sure. It's a bracelet. Sure. You know? Yeah, absolutely. A, a bracelet <laughs> brought him back Which we'll to, get to that. wanting to kill. But I think that could happen with guys like that because it's, it's just a, that little thing. Where he was like, he was holding it together, holding it together, holding it together, and then his daughter couldn't find a kitty cat ring, and he was like, "Damn it, that's one step too far." I'm so Emma, Emma had noticed this well, before yeah, I like, did. What would you do if someone, um, well, Riesling's not with us anymore, but if someone hurt Riesling, you would beat them to a pulp. What if, what if someone stole? I don't know. My favorite thing that that my mom left me. You would no, beat no, them no, to no, a pulp. There, there needs to be more context. Let's say you die, right? Yes. And all I have left from you is Riesling. And somebody breaks in here and kills Riesling. Mm -hmm. Now, if I was a super trained assassin at that point, maybe I even wasn't. That's rage, right? Uh -huh. So I get it. Um, it's those things that make you snap. It's those little things. One thing Emma pointed out, though, that I didn't even notice at this point, which I'm like the film detail guy. Emma's like, they were sleeping with a pillow in between them. I noticed that. And there was I one did not the whole time. Yeah, the first it was time. very. Yeah, I thought it was pretty obvious. Yeah. And then there was the, after they had that conversation. Dude, I missed that entirely. But no, yeah. they still had it when they went to bed after that. And then she moved they it. Still had it, and then she moved and it. And then she moved it. Yeah, I noticed that too, and I thought the pillow thing. Was so crazy. it insinuates at this point that they probably at least uh, made love, so to speak, because he wakes up. He's like, "I'm going to make you the French toast, and let's make you the fucking lasagna." Yeah. You know, he comes with a whole new swagger at that point. Well, they end up finding out who this guy is because uh, this is now the brother of this crazy Russian dude, right? Yeah. And yes, he put a trach in him, but the motherfucker's brain dead. Yeah. <laughs> he pretty much For killed him. For all intents and purposes, he's completely dead. He killed him. Yeah. I mean, okay. So the, he's got the, um, the bus car and he's got this whole network and they send a blackmail package to the Pentagon. Pentagon's like, what the fuck? The, so he types the, the guy's name in. The fastest blackmail uh, letter ever. It was just one dude at the Pentagon and a bunch of pictures show up of him in like a gimp outfit or something. Yes. Or a, an <laughs> shop. Yeah. And, he's, and he's like, oh, okay, whatever, whatever you want. So he's typing this guy's name. Nothing's coming up. He's got to go downstairs, look at the files. The chick gets the files. And it's a lot like John Wick. She throws the files and goes, similar. I'm out. Yeah. I got nothing to do with this. This is your guy. Yeah. I don't want nothing to do with this. And she leaves. Well, the first picture we see uh, from the Pentagon is like six body bags or something. <laughs> yeah. Under and like his name. Massive death. Yeah. It's like just wherever this guy goes, it's just, it's just death is yes. going to follow. And so they send some people to Hutch's house. Yeah. Very reminiscent of the first John Wick scene. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, we have Russians... Coming into his house to kill him. Hutch goes, get in the basement now. Takes his family down there. He's got this like little security system set up. This is a niche reference, but this reminded me of Spy Kids. When the when the house turns into like a... like It, it turns out there's all kinds of hidden technology around that. I'm definitely dating myself to a very specific period right now. This is the first Spy Kids reference yeah. we've ever heard well, on the I'm, show. I'm, I'm 29, so I'm the perfect age to reference Spy Kids. But yes, this reminded me of Spy Kids. Feels like so long ago. When it turns out the house has like all this hidden tech in it and that was a little it made me laugh because uh -huh. I'm like this is a spy kids thing anyway but yeah so they, he, he locks them in the basement with his spy kids technology and then proceeds to 
<laughs> and then proceeds to kill all the assassins. One interesting thing about this, too, is he doesn't use a gun very much. At, it, mm. at the end, he for sure does. It seems like he's scared of guns. Yeah, it's like, well, or he, he kind of tries to use them. He gets shot out of his hand. There's a lot of hand-to-hand combat. Um, but yeah, it's like he doesn't want to go full gun. He doesn't want to do that. He has a revolver at first. John Wick just shoots people in the head like crazy. This guy is like very resistant to going full gun. Obviously, at the end, it goes, you know, bananas. Yeah. But um, in this one, he barely uses a gun at all. God, one thing that I'm going to um, really praise this movie for is the direction style. Yeah. They sure. they, they stick to these um, like one shot scenes where everything's on a dolly and it's going from like. Um, Room to room, all kind of sticking on one shot. There's not a lot of cuts. There's not a lot of shaky cam. Um, uh, you really like it. the the action feels fluid throughout the room, which I right? love. I mentioned this for the it's first fantastic. John Wick, especially. I love those wide shots, shaky cam action. I hate. It. I feel like it's lazy, and this is none of that. One of the best action. I have movies. no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> One of the best action movies I've ever seen as far as direction goes and as far as sticking on the shot and getting creative shots is, is these movies I was telling you about, The Raid. Yeah. The, the Raid 1 and The Raid 2. You'll never see anything like that, dude. But um, got to watch The Raid. We'll get there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. But um, uh, this is very close to that. And John Wick has to be commended for that as well. Mm-hmm. But, but it's very similar uh, to these styles, you know. Um, so, he, you know, he, he's going from room to room, stabbing people. He shoves a plate in one dude's head at one point, which yeah. is fucking crazy. And they tase him and throw him in a car. And then Emma called this. She goes, he's going to cut through the back <laughs> the seat there. Seat. How he escaped, he was in handcuffs. Yeah. And I'm fairly sure he dislocated his thumb. Like John Wick. Yeah, mm-hmm. to get out of the handcuffs. Yeah. yeah. And then just popped it back in, which is just a just a badass move. And then yeah, grabs the uh or he, he sort of uh opens the opens the trunk, takes a look out. Yeah. Small little bond reference. Right. Uh decides can't can't do anything about this, kicks his way into the backseat and uses the fire extinguisher to like distract them all and makes the car crash, flip upside oh. down. Speaking of bond. Yeah, oh there's a lot there's we a lot of there's some bond references. We forgot there. one. So oh, right. his brother, he's been talking to his brother this entire time, okay, through like a little short rave radio. It's it's somebody he presumably used to work with. We don't know who this guy is at this point. Yeah, I we know, don't but get when, a lot we, of when we go to I look the deeper into it. apartment, it's his brother for the first time. Yeah, it is. We his see we see a picture. So I think of the dad sitting between him and an I think they're planning kid. sequels, and okay. I think they're going to elaborate as far okay. as like. Maybe both these guys were orphans, and the dad like sure. raised them both, or if he just raised Riza. Because I was going to say, this was an African American gentleman. It was. Come to yeah, find out. but they're both. When you see, they both refer to him as yet. Pop. Okay, that's they're both. That's his brother. I did not okay? pick up on this. So he goes, go see the fucking barber. The barber will tell you about these Russian motherfuckers, right? And the barber is Colin Salmon. Who, who was in a three Pierce Brosnan... Obligatory Bond movie. reference for Obligat- a bad appearance. Obligatory Bond reference for me to be here. This is the only reason I'm invited. Uh, he played uh, Charles Robinson in uh, uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, The World Is Not Enough, and Die Another Day. So that's, 100%. And it's funny because I, I, I didn't... remember all these names? I, I, I spent a lot of my life doing this. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, it's funny. I didn't necessarily recognize him at first. It's been, it's been some years. But that voice immediately... He's great, though. Oh, he's awesome. Role. 
He's super good. And then again, these are the similarities to John Wick because it's yep. setting up like the um, the outer world of his world. It's right? setting up that he's he's in a world, and this one actually might be a little even more grounded in reality because we find out actually in the car scene he finally does some um, expository dialogue and tells us after he's escaped from the car and one of the henchmen <laughs> is dying that uh, he was a government agent. He yeah. worked. He worked. You know, sort of black ops off books for the government. He. And he was an auditor because he says earlier in the movie he was an auditor, and you think like a his son was like, "Hey, I got to do a project on uh, uh, war vets." Yeah, I was thinking maybe I could do it on you to his dad. And his dad goes, "Well, you know, I was just an auditor. That's going to be a boring story." Yeah. Well, what and an auditor is? This comes back, and he says, "I was an auditor. I was the guy that showed up to make he, sure." He basically, he said, "When the CIA or the FBI or the ATF cannot make an arrest on a person they yeah. know they is a bad me. guy." They send him. Which I actually and love. he fucking kills him. Because that actually feels like a very James Bond character. It does. Because yes. he's, not, he's not Mr. Badass. He's not going out and assassinating 40 people at once. He's just a guy. Right. He's just a guy with a particular set of skills who uh, goes and finds other people who have been cheating the system or cheating their agencies or whatever. Right. And he makes them go away. Right. It's much simpler. And I, I really enjoy that. It I love that. very Bondy to me. He just wants to tell his story so bad. He does. And yeah. every time he tells a story, the guys that he's telling it to die, die. in the middle. Right. <laughs> he he wants to have, story. again, like, I think Bob Odenkirk's a great actor, and my favorite parts of this movie were when he was just talking, when he was just doing his thing and being Bob Odenkirk and acting really well. And this is one of those scenes. The guy, literally, the car is flipped over. It is on top of one of these henchmen, and he's just spilling the black, his guts. The black Russian. The black Russian. There's a black Russian. Yeah. Is uh, that a drink? It is a drink. Yeah. But he goes, this is really the first black Russian I've first ever black met. black Russian I've ever yeah. met. Yeah. And he was like, it, there was something like, you know, his father was in the Olympics or something yeah. like that. And this is a neat backstory, but right. he's telling his story and he looks down and he's halfway through. This is this is when we get another Bond reference. We get a Walter PPK reference. He had a Walter PPK. And uh, he looks down and the guy's just dead. Yeah, so this, he's got to stop. The second part of the story, after he sends his family away, he takes a shower. He's like, I can't tell you right now, but I will tell you at the end of this, right? Yeah. His wife still doesn't really know what's going on. Yeah. Sends him away. So now he's drinking a drink, and he's got all the henchmen on the couch. One of them's still alive. Barely. Barely. I have to interject really quick. This is one thing that bugged me a little bit that I love with the John Wick stuff that annoyed me slightly here. In the John Wick movies, there's a lot of, um, even though it's a very, you know, it's a fantastical world, there's a lot of logic to be followed. Like in the first John Wick movie, he murders a whole bunch of people in his house loudly. The cops show up. Because of course the cops show up. And then he's like, well... The cops are either on the take or they don't I'm want to be this up too. Yeah. In this movie, it's like there's a lot of machine gunning going on in this house and just nobody notices. Mm-hmm. It's not the biggest deal in the world because it's just an action movie. I just I just feel like they could have done something with that. Right. Yeah. So anyway, go ahead. Um, so he's sitting there and there's like these five henchmen. One of them is still barely alive. I love the word henchmen. And he's just like, you know, I know your boss sent you here. But sometimes you just got to learn to say no. <laughs> he's, like, he's telling the story. So he tells a story about how he goes to kill this guy with the Walter PPK. Oh, this was the Walter PPK. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, no, wait a minute. It was something else. Yeah, it was a six hour or right. something like that. And he goes, and I actually listened to this guy. He said he was going to change his life. So I, I let him go. Six months later, I expected him to be back in the same shit. Sure as shit, I go to Ohio... Boise, Idaho. I'm sorry, Boise, Idaho. 
and he's got a family. He's not skimming off the top. He's gone straight. And I, I decided I want that. And that's how he got out yeah. of this business. Which was a nice story. I like that. He <laughs> said, you know, I lasted longer than I thought I would. But at the end of the day, this is who I am. By the way, uh, a known fact here, bone burns at 1,500 degrees. This room is set to burn at 3,000 degrees, so they won't be finding any of you. <laughs> he burns the fucking place down. His own house. His own yeah. house. And he has Which I thought was, at that point, you knew that he had some love for his family, right? I think and he thought he would rebuild. his own house down. Well, I think this was also a safety measure. It was, yeah. his, it was his way of being like, yeah. If shit goes down. I mean, it's the same thing with the Spy Kids basement. He could he could shut off his basement with some Spy Kids technology to yeah. keep his family safe if need be. I think this was also his backup plan of being like, if shit gets really bad, well, I can burn the place down safely because he clearly built it to do that. Yeah. yeah. But the thing is that there was so much blood and gray matter and whatever all around the walls of that house. How would you ever clean it? You couldn't be burnt down. Yeah, exactly. That's what, I, that's what I would do. One part we forgot to mention is his annoying neighbor. Is his douchebag neighbor? He's got this like uh, got a, another he, swirly shirt guy, he's got a hot rod car, he's got a yeah, Camaro, an old Camaro or something. Well, I like, like the that. car. So they set that up, and I told Emma, I go, he's gonna steal that car was, later on. He did. Such I guarantee like, it. As soon as that car yeah. came out, and the guy was all douchebag, you're yeah. like, that car's gonna be important somehow. Well, because yeah. his his, son, I, I think I told you he was gonna steal it later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is when his son wasn't impressed with him. Like it was kind of the obvious setup of like the son thinks he's a loser, and Mister Douchebag shows up next door with a cool sports car, and it's like, yeah, we know what's going to happen with that sports car. Then he goes to the Russian uh, retirement thing, kills everybody, burns all the fucking money, and then uh, crazy. That was satisfying. Yes, crazy Literally. Russian dude is singing and dancing at the thing, and there's <laughs> fucking Hutch eating a steak dinner, dinner. That watching was awesome. the thing. So he comes out, he goes, you got a lot of nerve coming here. They put their guns on him. He pulls his napkin. He's got a fucking C4 attached to But the front says, pump. doesn't the front say Aim point at, enemy. at your enemy yes. or something? It's a, a forward firing. He goes, what do you say mean you have a sit down? Uh, this interaction is fantastic, dude. Yes. It's really good. Yeah, this is probably the high point of the movie. These are the things that I think put this above John Wick in some respects. Because you don't see these interactions so much that you do in this movie. Well, and the problem is in John Wick, again, with respect, Keanu, please don't come kill me. Um, Bob Odenkirk is a much better actor. 100%. So he can have these interactions. Yes. He can do the talking stuff. I don't think that's a revolutionary No, it's idea. not. He's a Everybody thousand times better. Keanu, yeah. Keanu is Keanu's, a, a Keanu's pretty cool, but he's not a great actor. And and he's great in John Wick on the action stuff, but he can't do this sort of face-to-face talky stuff that Bob Odenkirk is great at. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where, that's where he excels because the villain is kind of forgettable. But their interactions are really good because he's quirky enough and Bob Odenkirk can carry it. This was the part of the movie. I was, well, I was already getting suits are not forgettable. No, the villain's most memorable <laughs> parts are his fashion sense and his singing. And his singing, yes. right. You, you remember the stuff he does, but you don't yeah. necessarily remember him. But right. it doesn't matter because Bob Odenkirk totally carries it. So yeah, this was the part of the movie where I was like, I was already into it. But then yeah. this was the part where I was like, okay, now I'm really into Odenkirk it. tells him there's a big part of me that wants us to see this thing through. Yeah. He goes, there's another part of me that wants to squash this. He goes, don't think for a second that this makes us even. And this is after he told him he burned down his whole he, empire. He burned all of his money. Yeah. He goes, this doesn't make us even in the slightest because you came after my fucking family. 
Which is like, then you realize how much he loves his family at this point. Well, his whole thing is like, it's that professional thing too, because he's like, you violated the rules. You didn't come after me, you came after my family, and you don't do that in this profession. And so he goes goes outside at this point. Um, I guess in that car, right? Before we get to that point, though, I want to backtrack. Okay. He calls his dad, who at this point is Christopher Lloyd, which we've mentioned. He's seen now, he's falling asleep, and he goes, hey dad, remember that thing I had to do? What escalated? So heads up. So I'm telling Emma on the bed, I go, I swear to God, if these people come into his house and he fucking kills them like a badass. <laughs> you know they're all going to die. I am going to be so happy. And, and we did. We got it. So and they come into his room. He be telling his dad, like, watch your back. Yeah. They point a gun at him. He grabs a gun. And pulls a slide out, shoots the other guy with a shotgun like a fucking badass, dude. But he was sleeping when they came in. I love this scene. I loved it so this is, much. This dude. was the scene where I went from like into it to fully loving it. This is the part where I just got over. Yes, dude. There's such an element of like absurdism to it as well. Yes. It's so fun that I was like, whatever, I don't care. And then and then he becomes a full-on member at the end. Like, he's a full-on member of the team shooting people. It was great. So, the director was like, let's get a stunt double for you to carry these guns and do all these stunts. Christopher Lloyd said, you can fuck right off. I'm carrying all these guns, and I'm doing all these stunts. Christopher Lloyd said, sir, I've been 75 year old, years old since before you were born. I can do my own stunts. Yeah. So... So, uh, uh, to get back, Hutch goes outside of the club, and he's got his fingers crossed. Like, please chase me. Please. This is different between him and John Wick. John Wick's like, please don't come after me. Yeah, John, Wick, John Wick is reluctant. This guy wants the fight. Yes. Yeah. So they come out. He's like, fuck yeah. He goes back to... Oh, we forgot to mention this part. He goes back to... Um, the father-in-law's place. He goes back to the the shop. It's a it's a some type of uh, metal shop. Throws a bunch of gold yeah. out. And well, he's yeah, like, he has literal gold bars. This is my yes. fucking final offer because yeah. he's been trying to buy this place the whole time. Yeah, and the brother's like, wait a minute, I got a say in this. He tries to throw a blow on him. Hutch ducks and hits him with the fucking shot right in the solar plexus. It's a great, it's a great scene because he he like uh, he insults him. He says something like "Listen to your dad" or something. Yeah. And then the guy throws a punch and he ducks and just like wham, <laughs> just one rocks the wind out of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, and you're thinking to yourself, what family is like trying to beat each other up? The brother this is so like, odd. The brother like goes, well, "What am I gonna do?" And the like, Hutch goes, "I don't give a shit." <laughs> the fuck. He goes, now get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Doesn't know the split, dude. And the dad's like, whatever, I got a suitcase full of gold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he goes back to the shop, but before then you see him like, this is my house, I have to defend it. I was going to say, we get a alone. I was thinking, yes. I was thinking Skyfall. Yeah. Like definitely Skyfall for, for me, but it's it's the Home Alone thing. It's, it's the Home Alone the, thing. It's the Home Alone thing. It's, yeah. it's, this is, this is, I have the upper hand because this is my place. And I'm going to booby trap it. Although right. I do think there were some literal Skyfall booby traps that he had going on in there. So. What do we got going on out of there? People on the street? Yeah. So anyhow. I'll go check it out. Emma's a whiskey. Anyhow. He takes him back to the place. And they had made mention that this like Russian villain has had some uh, expensive art. 
I don't know if you noticed, but yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Hutch has got one of those art pieces. I did in his notice hand. that he he burned them all down because he left his money and his art in the same place. Yeah. So he burned all that down, but he kept one of the pieces, right? Presumably a very expensive one. Yeah, it was or something. Van, I think it was a Van Gogh. Okay, so it was something he'd be really into. Yeah, yeah. And so I like that touch. I like the just one piece he was trucking around. They go to this place, and Hutch thinks it's him against this army, but no. Christopher Lloyd shows up with shotguns. Rizza shows up with a fucking sniper he's rifle. A sniper rifle. And he's a certified badass, dude. This scene, okay. This scene is so silly. I love it. It's but silly, it's but so it's awesome. Silly. It's full on. I won't even say Roger Moore. It's like um, it almost reminds me more of like a Zombie Land or something like that. Just something that was like a, a straight up sort of action comedy. That's what this. That's what this kind of reminded me of. I loved it. I really enjoyed oh, yeah. it. This is my favorite scene in the movie. Um, but it was very, very silly. But, but like the Rizza scenes were fucking awesome. Yeah. He shoots those three dudes and the bullet goes through all three of their heads at the same time. And he's doing this like uh, hand-to-hand combat with, with the yeah. rifle, so to speak. Christopher Lloyd is blowing people away with a fucking <laughs> shotgun, dude. Actually, you know what the vibe it gave me? It just hit me. Starship Troopers. You ever see Starship Troopers? Yes. That like over-the-top... Like we got to do that very, sometime. I like Starship Troopers. Oh like yeah, very over the top, gory action stuff, yeah. but it's also funny. Yep, that's the kind of vibe it gave me, which is great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, blowing people away. There's yeah. Home Alone traps going off left and right. There's very creative uh, shots for the kills. Very. Yeah. Um, these, these movies are always well shot. Yeah, the John Wick's this one like. I do. I want to see these people do more, just because they're so creative. It feels so interesting. It gets down the to the bad guy, though. Of course, it does. And they're out of bullets. Yep. This is one of the best fucking kills for a bad guy I've ever seen, dude. He tapes a C four to like a piece of bulletproof glass. It's the same. Um, it's the same uh, grenade he had in the club. Yeah, and he was and he's got the thumb there. thing, right? He runs at him. And the guy shooting the bulletproof glass pulls the C4. The C4 blows up and blows the fucker away, dude. Yeah. And you see Bob Odenkirk just fly back. Yeah. So this guy just be demolished. It's awesome, dude. Yeah. So that's the end, pretty much. Uh, Hutch and his wife are shopping for another house at the end. He gets a phone call on the realtor's phone. Yeah, the, the realtor gets an weird. unknown call. Yeah. And it's, she says, it's for you. He takes it. Presumably, now this is why I want to see a sequel, which I guess we'll get to, but he mm-hmm. takes it and then he's like, all right. Uh, and he says, okay, um, does this house have, and then his wife says, a basement. Mm-hmm. Presumably because they're going to spy kids it up and make it a safe basement again. The mid credit scene is Riza and... Uh, Christopher Lloyd. I driving missed all, I missed all this, so I got to go coast. They're driving. Christopher Lloyd's like, why couldn't we fly to this location? And the RZA goes, we couldn't fly with all this fucking inventory. Oh, you no. look in the back of the van and there's a shit ton of guns. So they're going somewhere. I remember that. Okay. Was I sleeping already? I watched it after. I didn't oh. know there was a mid-credits scene. I didn't I didn't know either. So I went back and, and watched it because I had heard there was a mid-credits scene. So that's a mid-credit scene. Okay. They're definitely setting up for a sequel, though. For sure. Um, and the, the sequel I would like to see, which I know I'm not going to get to see it, but whatever. The sequel I would like to see is uh, he gets drawn back into the government and he just goes on missions. Like, I would like to see him working at his at his actual job. Because it seems interesting. It's 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 more fun even than John Wick. Because John Wick was just an assassin. This guy is like a government agent that deals with government off-book stuff. Where do, where do you think the sequel's going? 
it'll be another uh, they're out for revenge a family, plot. Revenge plot. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get back Christopher Lloyd and whatever his brother's name was. It's gonna Rizzo. be that. It's Rizzo. It's gonna be that sort of thing. That's my what guess. About, you know that show? Is it called The Americans? Yeah, I love that show. That it would be cool if it was like that. Like his home life is here. And his yeah. like assassin life is over here. Something like that would be awesome. But the thing the thing that I noticed about modern movies is that like they can't it's like the problem with James Bond, the modern James Bond movies, is they can't just let Bond go do a mission, do a thing and then come home. Yeah. It always has to be like this time it's personal. Like that's every modern movie. So well, I've heard that a million love, times. No, I know. I like but I would love to see the next nobody movie just be him balancing family and like that, balancing mm-hmm. family and balancing the work that he's been drawn back in. It's like John Wick, right? If you stayed retired, we would have let you stay retired. But now he's not retired, so they're going to bring him back in and make him work. I'd like to see that movie, him just doing jobs. But the fact that they did a uh, post-credit sequence with Christopher Lloyd and with all the guns in the back presumably going to meet him, it's like, yeah, they're going to go do more revenge, you know, out for my family, whatever things. Yeah. Which maybe it'll be fine. Like, maybe it'll be really fun. But I'd like to see a different version of that. So here in the pub, we do uh, one out of ten ratings on, on this particular gimmick. Uh, for me, personally, me personally, that's right there. Me personally? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go 9 out of 10. Wow. I, I fucking really like this movie a lot, dude. It gave me everything I wanted. Great acting. Um, like I said, the, the action scenes were well shot. Uh, it kind of gave you everything you were rooting for uh, from an action film. Um I think this is the best movie I've seen all year as far as new movies go, which isn't very many. Yeah, I haven't seen much this year, but this is definitely the most definitely the most fun I've had watching a movie in a while. Yeah. Uh, save for the John Wick, those are older, but like newer yeah. stuff for uh-huh. sure. Okay, so to, to me, all the all I know I keep comparing these to John Wick's, but they're so similar. Those are all like nine out of tens plus. Yeah. Um this one would probably be like a it's an eight. Thoroughly enjoyable. I had some issues, a couple of issues with it, but great movie. Love to see the sequels. Bob Odenkirk kills it. Never thought I would believe him as an as an action guy, but he, he pulled it off. So, Emma, I would say eight or nine. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, Coming from Emma, that's really good. I didn't fall asleep. Yeah. So it's so, got to so be plus seven. Yes. Um, the acting was really great, even right down to the kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I agree. Bumped it up. The the story was surprise after surprise after surprise. Yeah. It was like relatable yet, you know, fantasy, like this isn't real yeah. kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it was good. Wow. That's, that's high praise from Emma. God damn. We all yeah. liked it then. Yeah. But if I don't fall asleep, it's. It's automatically over seven. If you don't fall asleep. Okay. <laughs> She's falling asleep in the theater. Some yeah. of the movies we went to. That's rough. Yeah. So. All right. Well, she's got degrees. Like she can't. Like our low brow. <laughs> That's true. Good point. She has better things to do. She got like studying to do. Good point. And I do you watch Law and like, Order. That Uzi. That Uzi was cool. No. Yeah. I refuse to believe that she likes Fast and the Furious movies. That's true. That's fair. That's fair. I All like, right. I like Fast Hondas. I don't know. <laughs> so we're talking Godzilla versus Kong, which is the 
fourth movie in this monster movie franchise they've set up. Um, we've all seen the previous three films, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, Greg, why don't we start with you, uh, your your overall take on the film, and then we'll kind of dive into it a little bit, because you are for sure the biggest fan here of, of this franchise. Yeah, I... So... I overall, I enjoyed the film. Uh, I mean, I think that definitely the overpowering part for me was the fight scenes and it looked beautiful. The cinematography was pretty awesome. Some of the camera camera shots that they were able to use uh, for some of the fights were pretty next level uh, in cinematography wise. I, I especially like the fight in Hong Kong. I thought that the whole neon look and, and they kind of incorporated that in and out of the movie. And I thought that was kind of a cool stylistic way that they did it. Um, obviously as most of these films go, the human characters kind of weighed it down a lot. And there was a lot going on uh, with a lot of different uh, expositions and subplots and things like that. Some of it, the whole Madison podcast part of it felt like it didn't even need to be in the movie at all. Um, but I didn't hate the characters as much as I hated some of them in King of the Monsters. I felt like some of the dumb humor, especially the guy from Billy Madison <laughs> that I hated in that movie, uh, I felt like that was cut out of it. There wasn't That's really where that fucking a lot of guys from, dude. Yeah. <laughs> which one, yeah. dude? Which, which guy are you talking about? Um, yeah. Which, which guy are you talking about? It's the he, teacher. He, he, the other yeah. teacher, the, the one they, or not the teacher, the one that's trying to get Billy Madison's. Um, business from yeah from the guy the that, at the end who pulls the gun out on him that's a dude oh, with the glasses yeah. oh okay 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 These cheesy lines like oh my god Zilla. like those were <laughs> yeah just like cringeworthy dude i choose that. business ethics yeah yeah <laughs> so i'm glad that a lot of that dumb humor was cut out of it uh oh, also means- king of the monsters madison's dad is kind of the driving plot for everything. The guy does literally everything in that movie. And you don't really have that in this movie. I think the characters are a little bit more grounded, even though some of the stuff like, you know, they have these futuristic jets or whatever that go flying into the hollow earth. And this guy just automatically knows how to fly it and hits all these switches. Like he's been this experienced pilot, like he's Luke Skywalker. And I'm like, that doesn't add up to me, you know? And I feel like the shocking Kong to get his heart back up like that was just too much even in a even in a sci-fi style movie like this I was kind of like that was the part that just kind of got me on that mm-hmm. but like I said I thought the, the the things that needed to be fixed in King of the Monsters they fixed in this which was the fights were longer better and there wasn't the they didn't fight in the dark of the night with a bunch of dust or smoke it was a lot more clear in the fight sequences they were faster I feel like the side aspects were a lot better in this where they actually looked humongous. Um, so overall, I, I actually enjoyed the film for the simple reason that it delivered exactly what we wanted it to deliver out of a, a Kong versus Godzilla um, film, which was epic fight scenes between two iconic monsters beating the shit out of each other. The rest of the storyline writing was pretty sloppy, but that that is what delivered for me. Yeah, they did massive reshoots on this after um, King of Monsters kind of failed in the box office. Yeah, which they should have. They went back and tried to listen to the criticisms that the fans had. Um, Mm -hmm. 
what we got is what we got. But before I throw my take on it, uh, what'd you think from the film, Dan? You're, you're more of a, a novice uh, Godzilla fan, correct? Yeah. So I told you, I, I'd tell you, uh, Mike asked me, hey, did you see it? Do you want to do this? And I told him, yeah. I said, mm-hmm. there's an interesting backstory to this. When I was a kid, I was scared of Godzilla. Yeah. And I think it was, I think it was the roar, really, mm-hmm. that it's, it's just, it's this, man, it just gets to me. Yeah. Like something inside just shakes me. Like my son's got this thing where like that rake, it's like nails on a chalkboard kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what it was when I was a kid. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't really get into, I knew who Godzilla was. I'd seen him on like on channel five, mm-hmm. you know, little bits here and there. But right. um, I got really into the misfits, the band and the whole horror aspect of, of everything. I really got into the universal monsters and stuff. And then when the, um, Godzilla came out in the, the 2014, the, the first one, I was like, yeah, let's go check it out, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm big into that and to see what it led to. Um, we'll jump around a little bit, of course, but um, yeah. this I liked it. I liked it. I, I think what you said about the um, about the fight scenes, I think they were really good for the two monsters kind of kind of going at it. And three or four times they actually fought, which I, which I think it lived up to the versus thing. Yeah. Um, I think when um, you know on our my brother on our our my regular podcast, my podcast, had said something like, "Man, I, I don't want it to be like Batman v Superman, where it's like they they fight once and they're you know going to be friends because that's the, the typical." You know, yeah. no one's really going to win this fight, dude. You don't yeah, take right. two iconic pieces like that, like, you know, creatures like this or two iconic characters and one of them actually wins. But at least we got them to fight three or four times. And I thought the scenes were great. Uh, yeah. you, got to, you got to see it. One of the criticisms I was thinking about when you were talking was I just actually rewatched Godzilla and uh, Skull Island. And um, the first Godzilla, while I liked it, a lot of it's in the dark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is in the dark. So it's really hard to see kind of what's, what's going on. And this film doesn't have that. Like no. even the under even the underwater scene when they fight underwater i thought was done um really well and right. i do agree with you that the whole some of the subplots like where was the conspiracy theorist podcast where's that storyline even going yeah that totally could have been left out it was like yeah. totally un- like what character millie bobby brown getting more screen time like for what she didn't offer it she didn't offer up anything to this movie really no. yeah yeah i 100 percent agree with you on that uh, I, I feel like this script, the way it was written, I, I could see like my two sons who are eight and five in their bedroom laying this story out going, and then he goes here and then he gets a spaceship and he goes underground and then he yeah. gets this magical axe and then he climbs out from the hole and blah, blah, blah. Like I could see all that playing out like yeah, from kids. Um, there's a lot of nods to the old films. For example, King Kong's heart being restarted is something that happened in the original film, but it was a bolt of a uh, lightning, I believe. Which is um, more believable than right. even, you know, um, than this magical jet. Grabbing him with the helicopters and transporting him to Antarctica, that happened yeah. in the original. Yes. Um, there's a lot of nods to he, the old He films. even climbed a skyscraper during one of those uh, fights. Exactly. He even climbed a skyscraper. Yeah. Exactly. There's yeah. a lot of nods to those films in this. Um, we're all in agreement with the fight scenes. They're fantastic. Very well shot. They, they kind of hang on to a wide shot the entire time and let the action play out instead of shaky cam, Michael Bayisms. The, the part that felt... Don't get me started on Transformer films. <laughs> oh, God, me too, dude. Uh, the, the, yeah. the part to me that felt like Michael Bay was... the I think the, the main subplot that we all kind of disliked, which was the conspiracy theorist guy and... 11 and the fat dude from Deadpool 2. Those are the three yeah. people that are all together 
He and, just didn't need to be in it. Right. And it's, first of all, it's kind of odd. It's, they brought this up on um, uh, pitch meeting, Greg. It's kind of odd to make a conspiracy theorist like the hero. Yeah. <laughs> no, times, dude. Considering the time, given the political yeah. nature of things. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Like, I, I felt that was kind of odd to, to make this guy like, oh, he was right. Look at all this and blah, blah, yeah. blah. Um, so I felt that was kind of odd. He's got this backstory about his wife dying, which goes nowhere. It, it, it plays no part at all into this. Um, it, it feels like Eleven's dad, uh, I don't even know the, the guy's name, but he, he was a big part of uh, King of Monsters. He's, he has such little screen time in this. Like You almost yeah. feel like a lot of whatever his story was was cut from the film. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. He shows up for like five minutes talking to her and then he just magically shows up in Hong Kong at the end of the movie. And I was yeah. like, well, like, where did he come from? And was that even necessary? Like, yeah, that's what I said. Like the, the human characters definitely like weigh this down. Um, one more part that I actually forgot to mention too that I, I actually really liked. Well, first of all, I think they did, they did Godzilla really well in the movie. They did Kong yeah. really well and they did Mecha Godzilla really well. I enjoyed yes. That was the cool, Godzilla fight. The way they pulled that off was good. Yeah. You know, all three of those those characters, which were the stars of the show, and all of their fight scenes were fucking epic. And that's one of the best things that I really liked is that they did all these characters really well. You know, I think yeah. the whole backstory of Mecha Godzilla is a little bit, you know, good, like Ghidorah controlling it and then Sirizawa's son that had nothing to do with the movie but die. Like, it, he was there was for one movie. reason, Greg. It's so somebody could say Godzilla, like a it. Japanese guy. <laughs> yeah, that was the only reason he was there, dude, to replace his dad's role in the first two Godzilla films. Yeah, which was for him to say that, and I wanted him to say "Let them fight" because those are the two like yeah. iconic lines from Sirizawa um, in yeah. the first two and films. Ken Watanabe. Yeah. Yes, which is he's great, and it sucked they killed him off in that last film. Would have been great to see him in this. Yeah. But, um, Dan alluded to this too. We all knew they were going to team up at the end. We sure. pretty much knew it was going to be Mecha Godzilla, who's the villain. But I do appreciate that there was a clear winner in this, which was Godzilla. He he yeah, definitely yeah. beat Kong. I don't know why he let him live at that last part because he's been known for just biting other monsters' heads off and throwing them into the air. But um, yeah, you know whatever. I I can I can get past. These I, kind of movies, you can't... I thought it was a good ending, dude. You know, like, if we would have saw Kong die on screen, it would have been pretty sad, dude, to see such well, an iconic character. I think the, the, thing, too. the mutual make... respect, I think the mutual respect at the end of that of two warriors and then him yeah. being able to let Kong kind of rule the the hollow earth while Godzilla will rule the, the earth, I think is kind of a cool, a cool ending to the movie, you know what I mean? It, it was, you know what, and this was a Kong movie. 100 sure. that's what i was uh, just gonna was, say this was this was yeah. a kong movie yeah and um you know uh in skull island one of samuel jackson's lines is uh something we're gonna show kong that man is king because they mm. never actually call him king kong it's right. just kong and then you know at the end of the film to have kong in, in hollow earth and pick up that axe and just kind of like i you know it's mine now yeah now it's king kong 
Right. Like, that's right. What kind of they were getting at. Like, yeah, he is king. That's why he's King Kong. Yeah. Yeah. I, I found it interesting. And I, then I thought about it. I'm like, yeah, they never actually called him King Kong. It was always. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. So they do, they do set up um, the Hollow Earth thing in Kong and they re- reference it again in King of Monsters. So they were definitely going somewhere with this yeah. um, to lead into this film. And they also set up, like we said, the Ghidorah uh, head at the end of uh, King of Monsters. But what happened to, what's the guy's name from Game of Thrones? I don't know, Charles Dance is the actor's name, but yeah. who is Lannister. in Game of Thrones? Yeah, Lannister. What happened to that guy? He just disappeared. Um, he's not even in this one. What we do get is basically uh, Mexican Elon Musk. He's the villain of this film. And, uh, you know, he's basically just a villain because he's the villain. He's a mustache trolling villain. His his motivations are not uh, outside of the realm of reason, though. Like, he wants to get his own lack of a better term, like, this is another thing, they stole a lot of shit from Pacific Rim, and so, for lack of a better term, Mechagodzilla is a Jaeger, and uh, Ghidorah and Surizawa were going to, like, be drift compatible, so to speak. It was it was set up just like Pacific Rim. Um, I, yeah. I thought they took a lot from that, especially the Hong Kong fight scene. Now, that's ripped straight yeah. from Pacific Rim. So, if I, if I heard right, everything was supposed to lead and that's what they're saying now that this whole um monster verse you know because that's what they call it right yeah. was supposed to lead to this film correct and if, if this did well then they consider exploring other things and and one of the things that i did um read because i did think um i only saw the first pacific Rim. i didn't see the second one um what i read you. something like that they, 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 <laughs> that's kind of why i haven't seen it to be honest yeah with you. <laughs> That it was going to lead you a crossover with Pacific Rim. If they were considering oh, yeah. bringing, bringing that in too and saying like, well, we can kind of make this work because you have the whole hollow earth thing and then the way that um, it works with Pacific Rim uh, with those creatures and stuff. So it's like, oh yeah, I could kind of see that. It's not out of the realm of possibility. They could be like, yeah, that would cross over. And you read that as a comic book. Yeah. You would definitely read that. It'd be like, that's a pretty epic comic book. That kind of aliens right. versus predator kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Um. So we start, we'll start at the beginning of this film and kind of, we'll kind of dive into parts here and there, but it starts out with Kong is taking a walk. He's scratching his ass. He's, you know, he takes a tree out of the ground and he's got this bond with this deaf girl. Right. But he throws a tree through this uh, hunger games dome and they've got Kong secured on skull Island. And they're trying to hide him from Godzilla because Godzilla will come for him because there can only be one uh, alpha titan. Yeah, one apex titan. Or one apex, yeah. Yeah. And this the the girl, uh, just to, to add in there, is part of the tribe that was in Skull Island. She's the last yeah. living member of that tribe. Everybody else right. got killed in a storm. Right. Oh, is that – did they explain that piece? Yeah. Because I know she was the last one, but oh, okay. Yeah. Then we, the opening credits is kind of like a tournament. They kind of show like Godzilla and yeah, that was weird. These, uh, titans that he's defeated, then Kong and all these titans they've defeated. One thing I want to say too is the score for this film is fantastic. It's Junkie yeah. XL, who he really hasn't made a score that I've hated. He's done Deadpool, this movie, um, 
a bunch of others that are, are really good scores. I thought the score for this was fantastic. Yeah, I thought it was really good too. One thing though that you know I haven't got since the 2014 Godzilla, you definitely get a different feel for each one of these films that are being made. And I feel like the 2014 Godzilla, especially with the score and the way it was shot and everything like that, and obviously technology was more grounded. It's more what we have today. And I felt like that movie was a lot more along the lines of bringing a scary monster movie. It was more of a horror aspect of a, of a film because sure. it would kind of reminded me of like uh, battle Los Angeles. Like it was, it was like, this is how people would react. This is how people would feel. They were reacting to seeing these giant monsters for the first time. And it was, it was kind of terrifying how they shot it. You know, the, the whole skydiving scene, like that was pretty terrifying to see these guys skydiving and seeing them jump when you see these monsters, these humongous things just destroying a city. So yeah. once they got into King of the Monsters, it obviously was a lot more of a lighthearted film. And the joking and all that kind of stuff was in there. And then this one, I think, was more just your action fight kind of movie. Like, you know what I mean? Do you, this do you is like a that? 90s action film. Yeah. That's what it felt right. like. Right. Like an what Independence of, Day. I wonder how much of that is directors. Because the first yeah. Godzilla is, is Gareth Edwards. Right. He, did, he also did the next year, a matter of fact, he did Rogue One. Right. So, I mean, that's he's known for that more of that serious tone because yeah rogue one was definitely a, i mean that was a super serious movie yeah and i felt that, like that's, that's how the 2014 godzilla was it was a lot more serious tone much darker of a film and like i said it actually kind of brought this horror kind of element to a giant monster attacking a city and the muto the first time it shows it and you see its its claws come up and it's 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 it reminded me of a classic horror monster movie where these ones are a lot more action, like you said, 90s kind of action mixed in with this incredible cinematography, you know, that kind of thing. But I definitely got a more horror vibe from the first Godzilla one. You know, you know what it just came to mind was uh, something like The Mist. Right. You don't, you don't even see any creatures in The Mist until the end. And right. you don't even get a full appearance of Godzilla in the first movie until about halfway through the movie. Right. Yeah. And really you is when you first see him and then you don't you don't really get any action out of him, any big action the last half hour. Yeah. Of, yeah. Of the movie. That's how that set us. So I think you're right. I yeah. think it was just like it's a bunch of setup and just like what's this guy? We know what Godzilla looks like, but let's yeah. get the suspense going and how big is he gonna look? Because was yeah. we all know in every Godzilla movie he's different size. Sure. You know? Yeah. Shout so, out to yeah. the mist. That is one of the most fucked up endings in a movie I've ever that, seen in my life. I that yeah <laughs> that is a true horror movie <laughs> the end of that Shit. movie just like oh my god yeah. especially if you have kids you're just like oh my god i know I it's just terrible, right it's, it's a one-time one movie for me yeah <laughs> um yeah. yeah and then you know king of monsters also kind of has you can see the the tones um i don't know if you guys have seen krampus I, you have for sure greg right of course yeah I seen it. you've seen it dan no i haven't seen it no I, okay i know have what you it's seen about treat Man, you're getting some like grade Z movies. In there. Dude, it's the same director, Krampus and, and Trick or Treat. That guy directed King of Monsters. I've seen Krampus. I have not seen Trick or Treat, but um, yeah, uh, yeah. So he he did the, those films, and then here we have uh, Adam. 
what's his name? Adam Wingward, I believe. He directed The Guest, which I've seen The Guest. You've yeah. seen The Guest. Um, he directed... Your Next, which is a great movie. Your Next. And he, this one stinker he made was Blair Witch. Death, he did Death Note, too. All those are good movies, dude. I haven't seen Death Note. Uh, Death Note, the, the Netflix uh, series? Huh? Death Note, the Netflix movie? Yeah, yeah. That movie sucked. Oh, so he's I, done I two stinkers. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't think the Blair Witch was bad compared, like because it was so different at the time. Not the original. Oh, yeah, he then never mind. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right, <laughs> he did the he did right. like a shitty remake of it. Um, okay, never mind. All right. Yeah. But um, yeah, so anyhow, uh, as we dive into this film, Godzilla shows up in Pensacola, Florida, and he's attacking what's the name of that uh of the Apex? company? Apex. Uh, Mon- Mon- oh, yeah, it was Apex, yeah. This that or monarch was Apex. He's attacking this um building and there's they do a few times in this where for example when sarazawa is leaving he's on the rooftop and you see godzilla in the distance walking through the city i thought that was a really cool looking scene Mm -hmm. and um godzilla definitely uses his atomic breath more than any of these other movies he uses a shit ton and he does it in this one and just like vaporizes this entire building this one too is that first one where they actually show like his eyes light up you guys notice that? No, yeah, I didn't. You're right. That's cool. Yeah. Usually but, yeah, they show just the scales, but not his eyes. They just yeah. show the scales usually. Yeah, but this one it was it was the eyes lighting up. But yeah. So they come up with a plan to move Kong and to get then they're so now the US Navy for some reason has agreed to give like 52 warships to this scientist and uh Eric from True Blood to transport Kong through the ocean um, to Antarctica. And they've got him chained up and heavily sedated on this warship. And they're just traveling through the ocean. And eventually we get to, for me, this is my favorite scene in the entire movie. I've watched this scene multiple times again on YouTube uh, because I just thought it was fantastic. The little girl kind of hears she, she's deaf, but she's, she, she's got a different senses, right? She puts her hand on the wall and feels like it does that might that, uh, the, um, Christopher Nolan bong. <laughs> and she goes and tells her mom or her caretaker and Eric from true blood's like, what's going on? And she's like, it's Godzilla. And the buildup to this confrontation is just masterfully done. You see them shooting all these missiles and Godzilla's swimming through the water. They hit him. He just goes right through all these other warships, breaks the he, shit in half with his tail. You know, you know where they got that scene from, right? Where the director got the inspiration was Jaws. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, that's cool. The, the the angle of following his dorsal fin and and him actually going through everything that they got all that from Jaws. A lot of the underwater stuff that they they shot in this movie was all inspired by Jaws. So Godzilla tips over the boat and they release Kong. And then for me, this was the part where I thought it was just the coolest shit ever, dude. He flips the boat back over and he sees Godzilla like circling in the distance. Then he looks over and he scans and he sees like three destroyers. He freaking runs. That was badass. And he's hopping 
from destroyer to destroyer. And the, the score that's behind it is just pumping the action, dude. And I'm just yeah. like, this is fucking awesome. It's that same, it's the same song that they had when they did the 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 skydive from the first Godzilla, where it's like that, oh, it's like a like a lot, like a light kind of no, it's a little bit different if you watch it back. It's like a more like oh. a drum, like, and it's kind of got like a fast violin kind of going. Um, yeah, it's it's awesome, dude. Yeah, that so whole scene gets, was fucking rad, dude. That was, gets that, yeah, on the warship. Godzilla comes out of the water and is crawling like a lizard on the thing, and then they they pan back to what is the background for this Zoom call, and they start just punching each other in the face on this warship. He headbutts Godzilla. Godzilla falls in the water, and then you see the atomic breath coming up through the water, and Kong jumps off this boat like a, a bad Arnold Schwarzenegger film, jumping awesome. into the water with the explosion <laughs> behind him. Yeah, but it's freaking awesome, dude. Yeah, that whole scene I watched it like five or six times, dude. Yeah, that is by far my favorite scene in this entire movie. Yeah, other than the, the Hong Kong fight, that was definitely my favorite scene. Was that that whole scene, dude? Was rad. Oh, you know I we did, didn't I talk just about to somebody else today who said the and I was telling him, you know, the underwater fight scene was actually really good. Yeah, it yeah, was. Whole, it was, which is which is amazing because you know you saw Aquaman, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we didn't talk about uh, Mexican Elon Musk's daughter. He sends her to. She's going to get on this boat now and, and go to hollow earth and try to get this power source that they've, they, they guess is there for some reason. Um, again, she just like her father in this is just a mustache twirling villain. Like, right. Yeah. Very over the top, very corny, huh. very cliche. Um, but most of these characters are just not, there's not any bite to any of them really. Yeah. I don't know. No, I think it's I think it's funny though that you know, and I, I know that Monarch and Apex are two different, completely different companies. But mm-hmm. you go back to Skull Island, and John Goodman's in there, and he's trying to get funding to go on this expedition, and they're just like, like basically, they like pulling teeth. They're like, we're not going to give you funding for this, you know. And then Apex is willing to spend these millions of dollars and stuff because this guy wrote a book on a hunch and a theory. <laughs> it's oh, like, shit we're gonna we're gonna give you all these ships and this money and all this stuff to make this happen i'm like man how times have changed dude because yeah, you go back to the vietnam era yeah and the u.s like, navy's like accompanying them and they lose 52 destroyers in this battle yeah you know what i mean like money's not an issue in these movies did we talk about the the, the time difference between all these movies that's what i noticed because i told you i just watched the the first uh two i watched godzilla and skull island yeah skull so, island's in the in the is the vietnam era so that's yeah. like in the 70s right yeah and then uh this is this movie's five years after king of the monsters so there's five years that had passed by but to dan's then, point it, in yeah. five years time they go from normal tech to blade runner 2049 oh absolutely well, that yeah was but it it jumps around because um well first of all you get the crash from John C. Riley's character during World War II, right? So that's the that's the forties, right? And then yeah, you're right. The Vietnam era. It's, I think it was seventy three. Yeah. And then the t- testing of, of all the bombs. Um, I think they 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 managed that. Well, the testing with the bombs would have been in forty five, mm-hmm. but then they kept doing the testing. So I think it was in fifty four for the and Godzilla films. For the Godzilla film, yeah. yeah. And then it jumps to 
um, 99 in the first film, because that's when it, that film starts, when the main character, the Ford or whatever his name is, was little. Right, right. And yeah. it jumps to 2014. Right, present day. Yeah, so at we're, the time. we're, okay, so even, even if we're talking present time, five years there, 2019? Yeah, somewhere in there to, to present time. So it's 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 a long period of time to get this tech, which means they've known about this stuff a long time. And in yeah. fact, um, John Goodman's character in 73 makes that hollow earth theory, whatever he saw, yeah. right. he's alluding to the war, right. too. So uh, he could be alluding. He doesn't look old enough to to be um, quite John C. Riley's character's age. So could have been tail into World War Two, could have been Korea. Yeah. Um, it just spans, you know, decades. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, I'm fine with the the Hollow Earth theory, but it's the tech jump, like like we were saying, like they have these Tron spaceships now that can, like, you know, the anti gravity and 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 they can download a an energy source and email it to. I think. Her yeah, dad. I think it would have been. Kind of I think it would have been Godzilla. even better. I think it would have been better if they would have mentioned it in king of the monsters like something like like they started building them at that point yes. you know like hey we're working on ways to go to hollow earth like you know like just mention it you know what i mean subtly because to all of a sudden be in this movie five years later and say hey we have these uh ships that we've already built that can go to hollow earth and it's like they so they've just been planning all this that it was kind of it felt a little bit rushed to me yeah you know in in the storyline but I, I did like Hollow Earth. I thought how they did Hollow Earth, and I was kind of—I made a joke reference as I was watching the movie. I was like, "Man, I was like, Millie Bobby Brown cannot get away from, from the upside down. Like, it—it's just—it's the same thing. Like, gravity is on two sides, and you know what I mean. Like, it's yeah. just—it's like two worlds. You know what I mean? What What do we but, think um, about Godzilla? I, I thought it looked freaking rad. You know? What, what do we think about? Um how that how that sea uh scene ends with godzilla circling back and they cut all the power and everything and play dead and godzilla just goes okay <laughs> dives back into the water like yeah does that seem out of character or i don't know i i, I guess yeah. it's like sh I, I, just I, shut your fucking mouth and enjoy these fights you know yeah <laughs> like it, but it, don't it, try it, to think too much I thought about that too, but then I was like, what, what, what else are they going to do? You know what I mean? Like how else are they end this? Because it, it's yeah, just not going to end out of well. It somehow. Right. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I don't know. There's, there's certain things in these movies that I, I kind of feel the same. Like it's, there's a scene in King of the Monsters when they all go to the top of the submarine and Godzilla just comes back after Sirizel sacrificed himself and he goes face to face and uh, Madison's dad's like, nobody move. Like, I'm like, what is it, the T-Rex? Like, what is nobody moving going to do? Like, his vision's not based on movement, you know what I mean? Like, I guess that kind of bugged me. So I guess they've established, though, that, like, if he doesn't think there's a threat, he will leave. Yeah. Right? I, think that, I think that's what it was. And I think yeah, that's, that's what it was, It's kind too. of the way Kong set up, too. Yeah. Kong set up the same way. If Because yeah. you see that in Skull Island when um, Weaver and the, uh, the tracker are there and just kind of looks at him and she reaches out to, like, pet him and then mm. he kind of realizes they're not a threat because he even saved her after after um she fell into the water he reached down and you know picked her up which is another that, that harkens back again you got to have the day the damsel in distress in in kong's huge hand yeah right know, throw back to the original uh king kong 
both versions, the uh, Jack Black version and the original uh, RKO one. Right. Uh, so they transport him to Antarctica and, you know, the, the little girl tells him, you got to lead us there. This is your home. So Could he be family goes, there. right, he falls into the hollow earth and there's a portal that they all go through. Now, keep that in mind when we talk about what happens later here. Um, they go through this portal and now they're in hollow earth. Kong has a couple of battles and then he goes and pushes open this door and there's his castle and there's a giant fucking axe, which looks like it's made out of a Godzilla scale. Yeah, it's a dorsal fin. Yeah. 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 Dorsal fin. Well, there no, it go. is because later, later on in the movie, that's what got charged. So it definitely yeah. is. A, it's yeah, a 100%. Fin. Yeah. Um, and then he's got this, like, there's statues and there's this elaborate, like, Titan warning system, right? Now, at the same time, we find out that Mechagodzilla exists. They do a test run, but they don't have enough power. That's what they... Uh, Mexican Elon Musk sent his daughter to do is uh, get that power source so they can power Mechagodzilla. Um, so she gets this power source and downloads and emails it to her dad through AOL or whatever. <laughs> we see Godzilla <laughs> circling back around to Hong Kong. He walks into the middle of the city and just looks down and atomic breaths all the way down, I guess, to hollow earth. Now there's no portal. You don't need a portal apparently to get to Hollow Earth. You just needed to drill far enough. But they God, I had to watch other. that scene twice. I had to rewind that to be like, did I just see what I saw? Yeah, I did. And then it, 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 at one point, did they acknowledge that they saw each other? Is that what I saw? Yeah, they did. Yeah, because Godzilla did that, and then he looked down the hole, and then Kong's looking up and roaring, and I'm like, did we just see them? Go all this way down, blow this literal hole, like you know, uh, digging a hole to China. Yeah, hollow hollow Earth thing. is only like thirty feet deep. So. Yeah, something. Dude. I was like, uh, okay, I'm just gonna keep Again, watching. Yeah, we could see our kids in their bedroom playing with their toys, going, and then I blew a hole and it went all the way down to the Earth, and now they're gonna fight. Boom, boom, boom! And they, yeah. They're smashing their toys together. That's what this movie is, dude. Yeah. So and I'm all right with that actually. <laughs> yeah. I know. See, the initial watch through, I was like, this is fucking dumb. But then like my kids were enjoying the hell out of it. Then I watched it again and I just kind of looked at it from that perspective. And I got well, a lot and I told you to do that, didn't I? Yeah, I told I you to watch it again. Appreciation the second time because that's that's <laughs> what the way you got to take this, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they have this epic fight in the city. There's a lot of neon lights, Pacific Rim style. Um, a Godzilla's atomic breathing, and you know what's funny too? They make point of, oh, we evacuated the city, but I swear to God, you see at least a million people get killed in this. There's still oh, people sure. running, and they smash the fuck out of the city, dude. <laughs> yes, I mean, you know, it's bad. Even, dude. even, uh, I, I don't know why, but the little scene that I really liked in the movie too is Kong's axe just flying and stuck into the building. Yeah. I was like, that's oh, yeah. It that's just shows funny. you the yeah. scale too, how big his freaking axe is, you know? Mm -hmm. It's just little stuff like that was just rad. And then Kong jumping off the buildings from building to building. Awesome. Badass, dude. He's throwing drop kicks and all kinds of shit, dude. It, it, yeah. it, they really made him agile, which yeah. it's the only way he's going to stand a chance against Godzilla, let's face it. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it was epic, dude. What were we gonna say, Dan? You know, you popped the biggest. The, the, the biggest pop was when uh, uh, he dislocated his shoulder. Yeah, and, the weapon you know, style, dude. Put it back with a skyscraper. Yeah. yeah. 
with the skyscraper, I was like, oh man, that was that was badass. Like uh, a few of the the students today were talking in the chat. Um, yeah, and I, you know, that, did you guys see this? And like, oh man, when got when uh, King Kong when he dislocated his shoulder and popped it back with a skyscraper, though, like that was badass. Yeah, it totally was. That, dude. I that's for straight that. out of Lethal Weapon, dude. Yeah, no, dude, another. Cool. I was uh, expecting them to sit down at the end and Kong just go, "I'm getting too old for this shit." Old for this shit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> another badass scene in the movie was uh, when Godzilla has him pinned down and he gets right in front of his face and does his roar, and then yeah. Kong fucking roars back at him. I was yeah. like, "That's badass, dude!" Just both guys ready to just fight, dude. You know what I mean? Like such a badass scene. Then they do the defibrillator scene, which we talked about. Now Mechagodzilla yeah. has completely turned against. Um, Elon Musk and uh, boy those villains in this film just die like with no regard whatsoever mm-hmm. like his daughter just gets the, the Kong just that was badass dude it. <laughs> that's it he just, he just looks at it and he's just like just throws it yeah. up like, that was gangster then, dude I, I saw red letter media talking about this but it's so true this is becoming a trope in films now the, the villains monologuing and you see something coming up behind them and the villain just turns around, just go, and the music stops and you just go, Oh shit. <laughs> I'm getting killed, dude. Yeah. This series is full of them. Yes. Uh, Skull, Skull Island had it. That's exactly what happened to John Goodman. With yeah. the camera clicking off. He's like, Oh shit. Those were his exact words. And then Skullcrawler eats him. Yeah. And then Samuel Jackson was like, Die, you mother smash. Yeah. It was just like, yeah. You see it a lot. Yeah. There's, there's definitely some things in the movie that are, you you could tell where they got it from. Uh, When we get a little bit further in the conversation, I'll bring up a scene that happens where I was like, okay, they stole this from there, but go on. What part would that be? Because we're pretty much at the end here. Okay. So Mecha Godzilla is complete. He comes yes. up now and he's fighting Godzilla. He's Kong being controlled is, by Ghidorah at this point. He's being controlled by Ghidorah. Basically, one of Ghidorah's head is installed inside of Mechagodzilla. The other one is hooked up with a bunch of tubes and both heads are controlling uh, Mechagodzilla. And he's yeah. badass. He's got a lot of different weapons, just like he was in the old days. He's got a yeah. ton of different things that he's got Missiles, going on. Drill tail. Yeah. Um, so they're fighting. He's beating Godzilla's ass and Kong gets revived, puts his shoulder back in, and there's a scene where he's Mecha's Godzilla has Godzilla pinned to the ground, and the shot is from Godzilla's perspective. So you see Mecha Godzilla, and then out of the corner of the screen, you see Kong jump in and jump on his back. And the first thing I thought of was Alien versus Predator when the mother alien is trying to get the girl, and then all of a sudden you see Alien or Predator j- jump in the background and stab him with the thing. If I showed you that scene back to back, you'd be like, oh my God, that's the exact well, same scene. You got a way better memory for that film than I do. Yeah. <laughs> so it, talking about the first one, right? First yeah, it's the first yeah. Alien versus Predator movie. Okay. But, uh, and, you know, it was awesome, though. Kong jumps on his back. He's now yeah. fighting him. He grabs his weapon, starts fucking him up. And then the actual kill was pretty badass. Godzilla does his atomic breath, charges the axe, and Kong just chops him to pieces, dude. Yeah. Which was pretty rad. Yeah. And then not only that, but rips his head off with the spine attached to it and holds his head up. He loves I that. Saw, he loves uh, to do that. Yeah. Yes, he does. Somebody made a comment in, in um, one of the Reddit uh, threads I was reading. 
and said, the most unbelievable thing in this film is Millie Bobby Brown finding her dad in the middle of Hong Kong through all this. Yeah, right. How did he get there? How did he get in Hong Kong? Uh, shit. Oh, the- Lance Reddick has like the eighth highest billing in this film, and he's in it for like, what, 10 seconds? Do you know who that is? It's it's the, the black dude from John Wick, the, um, yeah, the concierge. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in it for like 10 seconds, dude, and, and yeah. they, they pumped him up to be in this film. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh God, was he? Um, well, dude, what else was he in? Uh, he was in something else. Was he? I just saw shows? all the John Wicks, so that's the one that comes to mind. Yeah, right that's the one that comes to my mind too. Yeah, he's been in a bunch of crap, and he's a really good actor, a, a decently big name. He all he says is, "I've ordered the attack," and that's it, dude. You don't see yeah. him again. Right. So I'm like, fuck. They must have cut a bunch of his stuff too, man. Uh, no, I did. Mm-hmm. I read that they did. I read that they okay. actually did cut a bunch of his stuff out. He had a bigger role. Okay. Yeah, we'll, it was, it we'll was see uh, Zack Snyder, out. Kong versus Godzilla release. That's four hours long. Oh, Jesus. I'm doing that one next. But, um, yeah, so they kind of roared each other. Kong drops the axe, and Godzilla just goes away. And then Kong, like we said, is ruling hollow Earth at this point. He's king. That's the end of the film. That's it. Yeah. Um. I initially had, by the way, Dan, we do a one to 10 uh, rating scale here. So I initially ranked this six and a half out of 10. Um, Upon a second watch, I'm going to go seven out of 10. It's fine. It's entertaining. I think it's a good watch. Um, If you want to just throw some popcorn in your mouth and if your kids are into, you know, good action films like that, then it's definitely enjoyable. But um I don't think a lot of the, a lot of this is going to sit with you for years to come, maybe scenes here and there, but it's an enjoyable action film. What can I say? Uh, Let's go with, we'll go with Greg. We'll let Dan think about this for a minute. Yeah. Uh, I gave it an eight out of 10. Uh, I liked it a lot. Like I said, I can kind of move the, the, the characters aside and I just really focused on what I really loved about the movie and, I'm a huge Godzilla fan. Uh, I'm a huge monster movie fan. So, yeah. uh, you know, I look at it as what I want out of a monster movie. And I want to see monsters smashing a city and fighting and things like that. So this is, it delivered what I wanted out of the movie. So I gave it an 8 out of 10. Excellent. Bye, Dan. Yeah, as far as, uh, uh, I, I enjoy monster movies. I do more so than I do um, horror movies. So it was nice. To, I enjoy the the classic, the Universal. Are, are my, those are my favorite. Yeah, They're my absolute favorite um, style of movies. So this being kind of a classic uh, monster feature, this is a solid seven mm-hmm. for me. This is one I could watch again and enjoy. The uh, only reason it's dragged down is because of the human yeah. parts. Yeah, uh, because their storylines just they don't they don't go anywhere. Um, but you know what? Honestly, give me more Hollow Earth. I would yeah. definitely watch more about about Hollow Earth. And I'd love to see them introduce um, some more monsters yeah. into this one. Somebody's got to have a comeback, and you know, in in some way. So I think that's uh, I think that's really good. Uh, yeah, solid seven. Fringe. That was the TV show Lance Reddick was on. Um, Fringe oh. was kind of that alternate universe kind of too. He was the director of Homeland Security. Um, okay. It's a good. It was a good show. It was on for like five or six seasons, and I think on Fox. Uh, but it, it was it was really good. But I did nice. read that he yeah, he had a bigger he had a bigger role and it was cut. Okay. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the next Kong is probably going to have to take place in Hollow Earth if they're going to make another one, which I assume they will because this did really well. All things considered, with this being in the middle of a pandemic, um, with theaters kind of opening back up, this this is by far made the most money uh, worldwide. So this is probably considered a success. Um, I think we're going to see King Kong and Godzilla films down the road. And it, like the next Kong for sure has to be in Hollow Earth. Yeah. I think that's a great place to, to do it because now you see that Monarch has a, uh, an observation station in Hollow Earth too. So there's, yeah. there's already set up there. They know how to get to Hollow Earth. So somebody's going to take, you know, over Apex. Maybe he has an illegitimate son or something that's going to yeah. take, a, you know, over what he's doing and spend daddy's money to figure out, like, how can we tap this in again? The Mechagodzilla uh, thing isn't out of the realm of possibility to say, well, we see what the flaws are. How can we make this work now that we know where the power source comes from and where we went right. wrong the first time? That's that's not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, agreed. And, and I'm, I'm, for it. I'm for it until they start sucking. You know, and this this movie didn't suck. I still think Skull Island. Out of the four of these, I think Skull Island is the best one. Like, I really, really like Skull Island. It's a good movie. Even when, even when I first saw it. Yeah. Um, but I, I really enjoyed this one. Hey Dan, go ahead and plug your uh, podcast before we get out. Yeah, for sure, man. Thank you. So I'm from the Extraordinary Culture Podcast, the Kayfabe Culture Podcast, which Mike does with us a lot, where we discuss pro wrestling, and the Disney Culture Podcast. All the extraordinary culture universe, I guess we call it, but you know, extraordinary culture is about music, movies, sports, it's extraordinary culture, cinematic theater. universe. Yeah. You know it, man. If, it, if we're into it, basically there's no rules. If we're into it, we talk about it. That's usually Dan what it is. is a Nick Fury of the these podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in awesome. all of these things, man. It's just cause I got all these little interests that like other people are into too. And it's just like, For sure. well, I talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about it. Let's start a podcast about it because why not? It's mine. That's how I look awesome. at it. That's cool stuff. All right, boys. Well, uh, thanks for joining. footage that Snyder used for this was from the original takes minus that last scene at the very end. Yeah, but the thing is, you're forgetting Joss Whedon came in and shot his own scenes. Yeah, but I heard like all the footage that he that Snyder used was all the original footage minus that last scene. Yes, but it, that's what I'm saying. The, the mustache scenes. Um, oh, those were the Whedon reshoots? Those were the Whedon reshoots, correct. Oh, okay. Got yeah. you. Got you. Yeah, yeah. So, um, we're, yeah, we're talking the Snyder cut of the Justice League film. And on its face, when you hear about a director's cut of a film, you think to yourself that all this is going to be is like, you know, George Lucas throwing a CGI fucking Wookiee in the background or something yeah. like that. Very like subtle extra, changes. Like, an extra one minute scene. Yeah. But what we got here is completely different. This this entire movie is night and day from the theatrical release. Are you recording already, dude? You're going off already. <laughs> yeah, I am. I just started recording because oh, okay. we were talking about the mustache. Hell yeah. But uh, um, would you guys agree with that? Oh, yeah. It's a totally different movie. Absolutely. I mean, like in the, uh, the Joss Whedon like, Justice League, 
I mean, you start off with that cartoonish Batman scene on the rooftop. Um, yeah. That's just right off the bat. It's like completely different. Isn't there also a scene with Superman where he's being like interviewed on the news? On the original? Yeah, on the theatrical one. And they're asking him like, a, yeah, he saves like a somebody from a fire. That sounds familiar, yeah. I don't know, it's like, as much as I, I watch Justice League, cause like, it's on TV all the time now. Um, it's like background noise for me, so I don't pay attention anymore, but oh yeah. My God. Literally anything else in the world is better background noise. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the no, theatrical- put on hardcore porn, uh, well, like pigs always- and goats and like donkey shit, other than the theatrical cut of Justice League. Hardcore well, porn is always good background noise. Lewis, so at least they're were, enjoying it. You hated the theatrical cut of the theatrical Justice League, right? So bad, it's so so bad. Okay, well, how'd you feel about it, Bob? I was actually thinking about this earlier. Like, I wish you could tell me like what I originally rated the that uh, the original theatrical cut on our podcast. Yeah, you know, and we I did cover this, huh? Yeah, we did. I was probably nice to it just because it's a comic book movie, and you know, I, I like comic book movies. But it's not a good film at all. I mean, if if I had to rate it right now, I would give it like, and again, this is being nice, is maybe like a six. I think that's when um, we were both kind of around there, like a five or a six, um, yeah. kind of middle of the I mean, road. It's hard to shit on it when you don't have anything else. You're probably like a little more sympathetic because it's a Justice League movie and it's cool. But uh, yeah, then you see this other version, you're like, oh yeah, no, that other one was trash. Yeah, well, I mean, again, they're completely different. I mean, and you can tell too, it's like, I, and those uh, weed and reshoots, I guess, you know, you can tell it's like everyone like kind of just like phoned it in. All the acting gets like significantly worse while in this movie, it's just kind of the same, you know, it's like how, kind of how it was during Batman versus Superman, you know, it's that same dark tone, no yeah. jokes, no nothing, yeah. you know. Well, that's the, no, the biggest noticeable thing from the theatrical cut to this is when Joss Whedon came in, a lot of the reshoots he was trying to insert this like Avengers humor and you feel like he had gone to the well one too many times of these things. And then like, he's got like Batman trying to be like Tony Stark making these like quips and, you know, uh, for example, Wonder Woman's talking about how they need to come together and uh, the armies of man need to stop Darkseid or I'm sorry, Steppenwolf. They didn't even mention Darkseid in the theatrical release. And um, Batman's like, well, I wouldn't rely on the armies of man. Uh, they tend to think that uh, the doomsday clock has a snooze button. And I'm like, why would Batman say anything like that? You know what I mean? It, like, Especially in this version of Batman. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, yeah, I feel like the studio came in and said, hey, Joss, throw your Avengers spin on this Justice League thing. We need to make this more like well, the Avengers. That's exactly what they told him to do. I mean, like, he was... He, he was following orders and just doing what he does. I mean, like Warner Brothers did not like the direction that he was taking this franchise. Like him and the heads of Warner Brothers were like basically, you know, butting heads before he left the project about, you know, them wanting to be more like, you know, the MCU. And yeah. DC is not the MCU, dude. You can't do it. And especially mm-hmm. choosing a head like Zack Snyder to head that. It's like you should have known what you're getting yourself into. It wasn't going to be freaking like, you know, bright lights and lollipops. <laughs> Well, then I think, um, you know, because since Batman versus Superman kind of got shit on by critics, 
And I think we actually, you and I so went to, bad. yeah, Robert and I went to um, an early screening of this and we walked out of there. We both looked at each other and like the fanboys in us didn't want to admit this, but we were, we both looked at each other and we were like, did that, did that suck? Like, <laughs> I, I, I remember like my first words to you after we finished that movie, I looked at you and looked and said, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, dude. <laughs> we didn't want to admit it, man. Like, we just There's didn't. so many good pieces in that movie, but as sure. a whole, not so much. But there was a lot just, of good, like, and just there, just outright giant mistakes. You can say the CGI was shit, or they should have made this decision. But Jesse Eisenberg is Lex Luthor. Like, get the fuck out of here! Horrible. Are you kidding me? Uh, Are you horrible. shitting my butt? Like, wh- what? Get get out of here with that! Like, that's just such a terrible, like, gross, weird. Like, oh, in Smallville, he was kind of young, so let's just go with that. It's like, but he wasn't this weird animated, like, just dopey like goofy goofball character the whole doomsday scene too was really forced and tacked on so bad um a lot of mistakes in that i mean i i liked ben affleck as batman and there was definitely some awesome scenes especially the warehouse scene in that movie jacking dudes up yes um but a lot of people had problems with Batman and Superman basically just killing dudes left and right. I was like, this is the Batman that kills 100%. <laughs> yeah, dude. And so as we go into the Snyder Cut here, it, it begins not with a like, uh, like, you know, popular 70s song and bright lights and everything. It's Superman dying from the end of Batman versus Superman. And he lets out this death scream that kind of goes across the entire planet. And one of many, 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 many slow motion shots as it goes across. <laughs> we need more slow mo. And it starts to awaken the mother boxes. Um, I like. I mean, in a four hour film, you're definitely going to get a lot more fleshed out story than you would in a two hour film. And I would say that Jack, Zack Snyder succeeds in many ways of not. There's no stone left unturned in this. I mean, he really fleshes out Cyborg's character. Aquaman, to a lesser extent, Flash, even Wonder Woman has a lot more um, buildup in this than in in the uh, Justice League film. Um, It's famous now that Cyborg, uh, Ray Fisher, I believe, is the actor, and Joss Whedon really had problems on set. he has been talking nonstop about Joss Whedon and what a shithead he is um, in the press. Well, if you heard it, he, he apparently mouthed off some more and he was actually talking about the issues that him and Gal Gadot were having. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, it's a horrible look for not only Joss Whedon, but Warner Brothers as an entire company. Well, it's funny. Some of the scenes that they've, they've thrown in the Justice League here, like Joss Whedon is... <laughs> In the public eye, he'd always been like, oh, he's this feminist and he's all about women and strong female roles. Then it came out that like he was just a total shit bag and like a womanizer behind the scenes. And then Ray Fisher kind of confirms these things on set. And um, I think he's goose is cooked. I don't know if he's ever going to get another job in Hollywood again after all these allegations. But um, I mean, his gig on uh, HBO right now, his new show is getting panned real bad so yeah i think it's gonna be hard for him to get work it's almost dude, like if james Gunn can get work he'll get work dude <laughs> yeah that's a fair point did, did um 
Did he just like strike gold though with the Avengers? Like, is he kind of a one trick pony? Because even Ultron, and I enjoy Ultron, but I will be the first to admit that it's the weakest of the four Avengers films for sure. And he's going to blame studio interference for that. But I mean, I think going back to the, again, the MCU, the MCU took its time building up to the first Avengers. And that's part of the problem in Batman versus Superman and justice league. They try to do this in basically two movies, you know, wonder woman, and and uh batman versus superman and man of steel sorry so three movies and that's that was the thing about the movie that joss whedon created is like he he brought all these elements together and i thought he did it so so masterfully i mean it was something like pretty much every fanboy had been waiting for um even your casual moviegoer enjoyed that movie i mean it was just epic um you know so i mean i don't know Maybe, you know, a so-so director could have done that. Who knows? But I, I thought he did a great job. But you're right. He hasn't done anything since. I mean, Ultron was a big letdown. Um, I really like Age of Ultron. I, I mean, I liked it. It's just And like, I think it's unfair because the last two Avengers movies are basically one movie. Yeah. I, and again, though, like, for me, though, like, going back to the MCU, I mean, I think, like, for for me still to this day, one of my favorite MCU movies is Winter Soldier. So when the Rooster Brothers came out with Winter Soldier with a bang, yeah, Winter Soldier's like, badass. oh, this is badass, dude. So Civil War. I mean, everything the Russo Brothers have has done has been fantastic. Um, but I still have a lot of love for the first Avengers. And Lewis, to your to your point, I like Ultron. I'm not saying I don't, but I'm just saying in comparison to all the other Avengers films, it's definitely the weakest entry. Um but that doesn't mean it's it's a weak movie or a shitty movie. But everything Joss Whedon touched in Justice League compared to the Snyder Cut, except for a few aesthetic choices, in my opinion, he made the film weaker. Um, I thought the Snyder Cut was a far better film than the theatrical cut. It's a much better cut. It's a much better cut, but also at the same time. And again, like... I'm not going to blame Joss Whedon 100% for this, but you know the studio heads were breathing down his back to make this brighter and lighter than what sure. Zack Snyder had made. Well, I mean, for example... I'm curious um, how much say he had over, like, the look of, like, Steppenwolf and stuff like that, because it looked just even looks alone were so weird. Yeah. I mean, little things like that are just completely different, actually. Like, I mean, in, in Snyder, Snyder he looks more like Silver Samurai. And then in the other one, he just looks like a piece of shit, like CGI character. I mean, I mean, advancements in CGI, I would give that little perk to Snyder, right? Yeah, years later, worth of. And I think the other problem, I think people might give, and I really like the Snyder cut, but I think some a little too much credit because you got to see how shitty, you know, people could like talk and pull yeah. apart where they failed, just like Justice League failed. And he's like, oh, cool. So I'll just fix these problems. Right yeah, here. I'll just tweak this here and there. And, you know, yeah. Yeah, looking back, Steppenwolf looks horrible. He's a big, dumb-looking CGI character. That doesn't look imposing, doesn't look scary. Uh, they tried making him, like, going too humanistic with him. Um, where, you know, kind of Thanos has a very much, like, humanistic look. But even then, he's, like, this big, imposing Hulk who beat the, literally beat the shit out of Hulk. Um, they're just not the same character. And I mean, dark, bringing in Darkseid was great. He looked amazing. I love the intro. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Steppenwolf was just a weak character all around, but like the more roided up version of him and Snyder's version is definitely better. And you can see more of his motivation 
Steppenwolf. Um, that's a good comparison. Silver Samurai from. Uh, yeah, I didn't care for the CGI. The Wolverine, but I thought he looked like Megatron from Transformers, dude. That's that's a vibe I got. But the difference between the Snyder cut yeah, that's and a, that's another good. Example. Yeah, the theatrical cut is he. Um, he he has a reason in Snyder in the Snyder cut for what he's doing. He fucked up. He he betrayed Darkseid. He realizes he fucked up, and now he's trying to prove himself to Darkseid. Whereas in the theatrical cut, you don't even know why he's there, why he's going after the mother boxes. Yeah, <laughs> it's like there's there's no reason for it. There's no reason for the mother boxes waking up, and all of that is explained in the Snyder cut, which. You have to appreciate, but like some of this shit is really drawn out. Like um, Themyscira, where Wonder Woman's mom gets this sacred arrow out, and they have to show every single bit of her getting this arrow out. It takes like I swear ten minutes. She shoots the arrow. You see the arrow flying across the ocean, the whole nine yards, um, and the thing getting lit, and then Wonder Woman going down to the tavern. But at least you see now how she learns about the mother boxes, but. There is a lot of shit that's drawn out in the film, like that scene I just described. And then the slow-mo. Yeah, I think there's easily, like, if you were to piece it all together, there's like 30 minutes worth of slow-mo in this movie. <laughs> I mean, they show why it. Zack Snyder chose to, like, up his 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 vision his world and so he's just like fuck it yeah but he was never gonna have full control over the aquaman movie or the future mm. wonder woman movies or anything like that no but you could tell though like when patty jenkins and wonder woman won you could tell it was dark toned and you know it was very very good the first one was amazing and then you go to wonder woman 84 after Zack snyder had been canned and it looks like so Ragnarok, as mike said to me i was like that's a great example like what it looks like yeah, a, a, a shittier Thor version Ragnarok was fun yeah. yeah wonder woman 84 there was literally nothing redeeming about it whatsoever no, Thor Ragnarok, we got to see thor versus the and hulk it was, and it was glorious and it was such a shame because like like you said wonder woman one was such a great movie i loved it but i think that's the influence that Snyder had when he was still involved in this and then when he left you know all the Warner Brothers execs were like make this lighter make this funner and then we go and see like Wonder Woman 84 and you know Aquaman and you know to this day I haven't seen Aquaman actually because I can't get over Aquaman and just really like Aquaman all right bro Aquaman was fun Aquaman's a fun movie was it cheesy <laughs> the goofy yes. stupid cheesy fun yes. movie yes exactly um it's it's not something I, I don't think I'll revisit too often, but like if the kids want to watch it, I'll sit there and watch it with them. You know what I mean? It, it's yeah. that kind of movie. But um, to get to get back to some of the slow mo shit, like <laughs> some of the stuff that sticks out for me is like Aquaman is walking on the beach and he's smoking or he's drinking whiskey, and the whole thing is in slow motion, dude. And there's no fucking reason for it. In fairness, <laughs> though, I think that's. Isn't that in the theatrical? He's a beautiful version? man. I don't know. Yeah, they kept that, that in. in the 
What yeah, about the women singing to Aquaman? Okay, speaking of that scene, though, so one of the other striking things that I noticed about the two films was the soundtrack. Because in that scene that you're talking okay. about, there's a very there's a very gloomy song. I forget what it's called, like, like My Kingdom or something. There's a very gloomy song playing, while in the Whedon version, it's the fucking White Stripes, dude. Yeah. The, the whole, it's just um, night and day, like you said. The score for this is uh, Junkie XL, who also did. It's freezing. Yeah, I think Mike yeah, I just Yeah, I thought you were thinking. He was like, "You guys there? Hello? Which I is more the main? I think the thing that really beefs it up that he kind of screws it up is it is so fucking long. Like it could have literally been both, you know, of Avengers' last two movies. It's so long. Oh my god! And honestly, the way they cut it up and the weird little fake segments, I wish they did just release it as a mini series and not just one whole giant chunk. Because so, it is like I think we watched it. Heather and I watched it over. I think three nights. I want to. Damn. So was it? Is it four or four and a half hours? I forget. I think it's four and change. Four and change. Okay. So I don't know how you felt about it, but for me, like I would say, like maybe like the first hour was long and drawn out because I was getting used to like too much backstory and too much slow-mo. But after that, for me, like the next like, what, like three hours or whatever, it just flew by. Like I actually thought after that first hour or so while I think I was adjusting to like just Snyder's vision. Um, once I adjusted, it just flew by and I actually- Yeah, that, and there's no movie. way they could have stopped it in the middle and it made any sense whatsoever. Like, yeah. okay, here's two hours of it. We'll give you two hours later. It, it wouldn't, it would just be so disjointed. You'd be like, what? Yeah. I, I mean, this, I, I usually, well, oh, go ahead, big guy. I was just going to say, th- this, this cut, this Snyder cut is very self-indulgent. It's, it's very pretentious in a lot of ways. Like the way the, the chapters are titled and like, oh, uh, this is in four, uh, four, three uh, aspect ratio to uh preserve the director's in- integrity of the film and his vision he wanted to and, release it in IMAX and then he also wanted to do this in black and white which is like dude come on you're going too far here like that was one of my complaints with this is like and this is not nearly a noir enough movie to be black and white with all the no. CGI and like super crazy colorful between like cyborg and like yeah. flash all that we'll, stuff yeah this we'll, is not we'll a jump, black and white movie we'll, we'll jump around here a bit but to, to one point that pissed me off or not pissed me off but I thought I didn't agree with the creative um, decision here. When Superman returns and he gets his costume back, like to me, it would have been a lot more epic for him to come out in the traditional red, blue, traditional no Superman costume. Way. Black suit Superman. I was fully erect. Like fully erect. <laughs> See, but that's because you're a demonic asshole and you're not. Yeah. hundred percent. You're kidding me. I was like painting my eyes. I was like nail polish eyeliner. I was full goth Lewis. I saw him. I'm like, Oh, Oh, yeah. you see for me, I'm a traditionalist. So I wanted the fucking the blue and red Superman to come out with the goddamn. To be fair. They did black suit in the comics, right? Yes, they did for a hot minute. Where's the mullet then, Lewis? If we're if we're trying to stay I, I, true, hey, bring the mullet. I don't. I, I'm all about, all about that mullet. Yeah, yeah that, Henry can, can, Henry Cavill can can wear whatever he wants. All right. I don't know. I I, I thought. Uh, what'd you think about that, Robert? 
honestly, I'm not hardcore enough to really care. Um, like I enjoyed Man of Steel and that was probably since I was a little tyke watching or reading the Superman comic, you know? Yeah. Um, so I just, I don't care too much for the DC universe. Um, the only one I ever cared for really was Batman. Superman, even I wasn't really that big of a, a fan until Man well, So many of the Superman movies are trash. So that's, that's, that doesn't help. Yeah, I, I barely remember them as a little kid. I mean, I, I remember reading like the death of Superman as a little kid, but I mean- Yeah, I that was epic. That's a great series. Yeah, but like I never really got into Superman. So like to me, like, you know, the blue versus the black, like in this movie, I, I could care less about to be honest. Until oh, I don't until, give a shit. Just aesthetically, I, I'm full hard nipples when he comes out in the fucking black. I hated that, man. But that's the thing with the death of Superman. He died, and then like, I swear to God, it wasn't even a month later, he was already coming back. So they didn't wait too long uh, for that. But the rebirth of Superman, the comics was so goddamn convoluted that you cannot do it in movie form whatsoever. They have a nice animated, but it's just there's no way. If if you um care to dive or dive into the deep dark side of the web, Max Landis, who is an actual Hollywood director and writer, but he's been canceled since then. He did a YouTube video called "The Death and Return of Superman," which is fantastic. Um, I definitely recommend checking that out if you get a chance. But anyhow, um. What else can we talk about in this? So the um, Flash and how no one should ever run like that ever. <laughs> yes. I still hated the Flash in both of these. He's got a lot more. Okay, what do you think about that scene where um, he's applying to be a dog walker and he's kind of making googly eyes with the girl that's walking out and she gets in a car accident. I thought the way they set that up, I know they're kind of copying that from Quicksilver in the X-Men movies, but I thought that was a pretty damn cool scene that they showed there. That was cool. And I like when he's like flying around, catching all the pieces that are like falling on, on the yeah. people. Like what's like Cyborg's dad and whatnot. That was really, yeah. really cool. But the yeah. other stuff, including the ending, it's like, yeah. I it's just, I, I like slow time. Like, like they do, like rip off Quicksilver. That's fine. Who gives a shit? But the weird, like, I don't know, like prance as hard as you can prance to reverse time at the end is like, okay. Prance. He runs like a speed skater or something, not like a guy that's running, huh? Arms yeah. are like flared out and everything. Just like, yeah. uh What I didn't know until after I read up on some of the things in this movie was uh, that chick that he saves in that first scene um, will be his love interest in his Flash movie. Well, Flashpoint as recast they like can it? i thought they three... canned it there's no way they're gonna do flashpoint well from what i understand they had cast like three different batmans dude like michael keaton's returning as batman i've and heard so it was Netflix. i've heard that too but i mean again they haven't really negan right negan was gonna be the the evil the the evil batman reverse flash from the, the flashpoint is a fabulous fabulous comic and like great animated uh that that warner brothers put out uh i watched that too it'd be impossible to do as a movie correctly there's just no way in hell they would yeah. pull it off no way in hell i thought um, that about they, infinity they, war the actor who plays negan i forget his name but he played uh bruce wayne's dad in was it batman superman um, yes but so they're already saying okay cool if you're doing flashpoint you have to bring him back then as this is jeffrey uh, dean morgan right yeah, you have to bring him back then as Thomas Wayne 
if you're going to mm. do Flashpoint. And everyone was like rallying around like that. That would be amazing. Yeah. There's just no way uh, they're going to do it. Um, so the, 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 the subway scene uh, is still in there, but the, the Wonder Woman bank robbery scene is a lot more violent. Like, yeah, she is killing fools left and right, throwing them against walls, and blood is splattering everywhere. I thought physically they made Wonder Woman look like such a badass in this movie. The problem I have with this character overall is Gal Gadot is she's kind of like the Keanu Reeves of female acting. And I went over this with, with Matt when we went over John Wick and John Wick episode coming soon, by the way. But, um, we watched all three John Wick films and physically you buy Keanu Reeves as a badass. Yeah. The acting, um, as far as like emoting and the physicalness of his character. But when he starts delivering lines, that's where you're like, ah, oh, fuck dude. And it's the same thing with Gal Gadot in this. And she's got to go on this 20 minute rant about how dark side has come down to the earth and wage this war with all these people. And it's the wrong fucking person to be narrating the description of what's going on here. This is a part where like, you want like Morgan Freeman to come in here or something and start narrating this or Anthony Hopkins from like the Marvel movies, dude. She's just the wrong person to be doing that, man. So side note really quick. Speaking of Ken Reeves and Anthony Hopkins, um, I watched uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula because it's on HBO Max and I haven't watched oh it. Oh my God. I almost sent back that whole movie. I watched it. I watched it like 20 years ago. I didn't remember it. So I watched it again and I started laughing when Keanu Reeves started talking in English accent. Oh <laughs> yeah, he's God. so bad. Budapest. Speaking of <laughs> English accent. to Budapest. <laughs> he, almost, he almost ruins that movie. Thank God. The rest of the movie is so fucking good. And Gary Oldman's fantastic. Gary Oldman's a goddamn god in that fucking movie. Why you does know, Amber Heard have a British accent in this? I guess Aqualandia is under Britain. I don't know. Aqualandia. She also has no father in this one too, which isn't true. Maybe later. Called. Atlantis, Aqualandia. It's all the same. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. She she's not the greatest actress in the world, but you know what? Like, I'm I'm willing to look past it most of the time because I do like her as Wonder Woman, to be honest. Yeah, I'll take Gal Gadot over Amber Heard every day of the week. Yeah, and it's not like looks or anything. I just I really loved her in, in Wonder Woman. I really did. I thought it was a great movie. Um I mean, so I probably just give her a pass on some shit, yeah. What else can we talk about? The differences here. Amber Heard um, sucks. Yeah, I mean I, cyborg in general yeah cyborg has so cyborg was much great he this. was fabulous oh my yeah. god cyborg was the only person who never got anything and we didn't know had something coming out because at least flash didn't get much but we knew he had a movie coming out yeah. cyborg just kind of got plopped in and that was that and so we never knew about cyborg until now right um I guess yeah, Joss Whedon is racist. I feel like, I don't know, I feel like the whole dad sacrifice thing was kind of lame, like really not needed. Like, I'm not going to kill myself to put a ping on a map. What are you, nuts? But, uh, so that was a little forced. 
but the rest of it was really, really good. I really liked Cyborg's motivations. I liked all the backstory of his parents and, and then his interaction with the mother boxes makes way more sense than it did in the theatrical too. Yes. Every time I see Cyborg's dad, I can't help but think about him hyperventilating in Terminator 2. Right. (laughs) I can't, I can't see that guy without thinking the word Dyson. Yes. (laughs) 100%. And then I think of vacuums. (laughs) But, um, you know, Superman returning in this is a little more um, like Cyborg interacts with one of the mother boxes and he sees this dystopian future. And I think he tells Flash no. And Flash says go. And he takes off. And he's one second late to the um, the baby fluid or whatever that's in the water but he reverses time which sets up what's going to happen at the end of this film and then they bring superman back to life and i still i like a lot of things that happen in this scene but it doesn't make any sense at all like no it's it's, pretty stupid overall it's pretty dumb it's just set up for superman to fight these guys right yeah and that i wish they they would have done more with that like we we know Superman's all powerful, but like, does he have to be that powerful? Like, I, I don't, I didn't agree with him taking the axe to the chest and it doing nothing to him and be like, I'm so disappointed with you. Like, what, why couldn't he have caught it instead and then like kick the dude across the fucking warehouse? Like, I, I don't know. Like the whole like I'm impervious until you have that one thing that hurts me. It's I really liked watching Superman get his ass kicked in Man of Steel. You know they're all just beating the shit out of each other. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I always thought part of the problem I had of the theatrical version is Superman was too powerful. And then it kind of still did the same thing with this one, where he's just like, oh yeah, the villain of the whole movie. Don't worry, Superman can just beat him up by himself. We don't need a whole team or anything. In the comics, he's too powerful unless you got kryptonite or magic. Those are the only two things that stop Superman in the comics. Um, I love, I, I, we talked, Bob and I talked about this in the movie pub review of this. Um, I love that scene where he's kind of holding both guys and Flash is running. And you kind of just see Superman look over and see him in real time. And you're like, holy shit, this guy is pretty much just as fast as the Flash. Yeah, it's great, dude. I, I love that scene. But um, there's, there's so, another part. Go ahead. I'm glad they did away with the do you believe it when like he comes back to life. His banter with Batman, like, oh, I'm mean now and I'm going to kill Batman. Like, I'm glad they did away with some of the dialogue that they had in the theatrical version. You mean at the end where Superman's like, well, I know you didn't bring me back because you like me. And then Batman goes, well, uh, I don't not like you. Like, no, I was meaning like, like (laughs) that's so bad. (laughs) (laughs) No, the the part like, you know, so they bring him back and he comes out and he's all rage cage and he's just like, do you bleed? And he's like, you won't let me live. You won't let me die. Like, I don't, he even has like a weird funky accent on the theatrical cut to Superman. It's very weird, strange dialogue with the CGI mustache gone. Well, another scene to, to jump back here. So in the theatrical cut, Lois Lane is talking to Ma Kent at the Daily Bugle. No, the Daily Planet. I'm getting my superheroes mixed up. Yeah, your game. And then this dude it's walks so in. They all steal from each other. He's like, hey, hey, Lois, what's your, uh, 
what's your source on that one story? And she's like, it's just my source. And he's like, oh, come on, just tell me, come on. You know, he's kind of like being like kind of a sexist asshole. And she's like, he, he goes, what's his name? And then she's like, well, maybe I'll talk to her and let you know when it's, uh, when she wants to tell you, you know, like this whole, like, Hey, Joss Whedon's a feminist. Like let's, <laughs> let's pay attention to this scene here. So it's a totally like tacked on, like forced scene. And in this film, you got Ma Kent sitting down with Lois in her apartment. And it's a very heartfelt Dark scene. Dark as shit. Dark as shit. But you, you feel the emotion. Amy Adams acts the shit out of the scene, right? You really believe it. She's like, there are not a hundred men in this world that I would rather be with than your son. Like, you know, Clark was the man pretty much. And you're really feeling it from this scene. And then she walks out of the apartment and morphs into the Martian fucking man Fucking Martian manhunter. Why? <laughs> Why? What a waste of a scene. Oh, it's the Martian manhunter. I'm so stupid. It completely diminishes the entire impact of that scene. And he like, has zero impact on the whole fucking movie other than a cameo. It's like so dumb. I, I want to save the last like 20 minutes of this film for the end of this discussion because it's so fucking different from the rest of this movie. And it's the biggest problem I had with this entire thing. So we'll get there for sure. But this is the first part you see of Martian Manhunter and it makes no fucking sense. It really doesn't, dude. I mean, at least he looked cool. I don't know. Sure. So, let me add two things really quick. One, um, I again, I've stated this earlier. I had to actually, I'm not a DC person, so I had to look up who this guy was. I was just like scratching my head the entire time. I'm like, really? What the fuck? Well, because again, I'm not like a major DC guy other than like your your big guns, you know? Like, yeah. I don't know who the Manhunter is. I didn't okay. know that like the- Fair enough. I forget what his name is. Something Choi was the Adam- like little things like that yeah um so i had to actually like go and like google this shit and figure it out but the other question speaking of the, like the last 20 minutes i don't want you guys to forget you we can talk about this later is again because i'm not a dc person is that last scene like part of the comic book world was that or is this just snyder's universe snyder 100 we can talk snyder. about this later we can talk about this later what if martian manhunter was Martha Kent this whole time and just banging Kevin Costner for several years. Plot <laughs> twist. Okay, I think the think end, about it. the whole Dysotopian future thing is is pulling from the Injustice um, video game, which actually ended up being a comic book series. And in, in the Injustice game, in the alternate reality, uh, Superman goes batshit crazy. Because the Joker kills Lois Lane, and well, he, he ends tricks up, he tricks Superman into killing Lois Lane, right? And then it's something to that effect. Yeah. But the Joker has he everything thinks, to do with it. Yeah, the Joker makes Superman feel like he's fighting one of Superman's villains, and in reality, it's just mutilating Lois Lane. I think. Right. So he goes batshit, and he ends up uh, hooking up with Wonder Woman, who also becomes batshit. And there's a couple people that like join Superman's side. He kind of enslaves the world. So I think that's where Zack Snyder took this from. Um, I'm not it's a huge DC guy either. So it's from a video game? 
It's from a video game, but they turned it into a comic book series. There was a bunch of alternate reality, like storylines and comics too. DC's got like just hundreds of comics when it comes to these guys. So and there's different realities. They had a bunch of Earth, weird alternate. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like the the uh, Twilight Batman, that's going to be in a different like it's on a different earth or a different reality. Yeah, I, I love like that. that they're like, oh, no, this also exists possibly with the new Superman that's coming. We don't know, but it's a different universe than the DC universe, which is now different timeline than the Aquaman movie because they yeah. just don't add up. And it's no, it's kind of a giant mess. But yeah. um, that much I do know. <laughs> I do feel like it's unfortunate that they went in that direction uh, yeah. with the the alternate universe where Superman's the dystopian. We'll get more to that later, but I yeah, yeah. that was not needed. They should have just cut it all out and done away with it. But again, like if, if we're gonna just allude to that, I mean, wasn't that part of his plan all along? Because you get you fi it finally makes sense, like from the Superman versus Batman that scene that made no sense you know you finally get to see like how that's connected right for sure but like knowing that he'll never have another shot at these characters ever again it's just like just just give us what we got yeah never say never he might after happen. this a lot of people nah. seem to enjoy it man but yeah it, see so cyborg sees that though realizes this may be a mistake bringing superman back but then uh, they really flesh out Steppenwolf getting these mother boxes a lot more. Like he 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 smells the scent of all these mother boxes on people, and this is how he ends up finding them all. So he's got the three mother boxes. He goes to Russia, and then um, you know they still got Superman flying away and trying to like rediscover himself. And they got a scene now where he goes back to the spaceship where he was born on. He gets the black suit that Lewis jizzed all over and uh, he takes flight. So then we go to Russia where Steppenwolf, he's interacted with Darkseid this whole time too, here and there, um, which again is building well, his Assad, character. right? I mean, that's why I think they added probably too much going on. So instead of just calling Darkseid, like call collect, he's talking to Assad, uh, Darkseid's other little bitch boy. And then eventually gets to talk to dark side so you're definitely the biggest dc fan here because i had no idea who that guy was i, I mean so they they chocked full of like dark side's boys so you got like assad there you had a granny dearest whatever her name is uh who's, yeah who's show she? her she doesn't do anything yeah. uh, so she's like i think she's she's not really like dark side's mom but she's like this old lady who just like is pumped to fuck and just like kill shit mm -hmm. um but i think her name is like granny dearest or something stupid like that um but she's in it you see her she's looking yoked too um but uh granny did show his son caliban i don't think but uh well they were trying to set up a new gods thing through this also and that's probably not gonna happen yeah so when i again i had to read up on all this because i had no idea who really they were um and that's what one of the articles i read was was they said if you open up the door for this crew which is the crew that you just talked about you open it up for like, I forget what the name is, but it's like the gods of Genesis or something like that. Yeah, those the new like gods. Yeah, so those are their, the heroes versus them. Yeah, in the comics, Darkseid trades kids with uh, like the leader of New Genesis. Um, and he raises that guy's son to be his kid, Caliban, who's just a total douchebag. 
And then I forget the guy's name. He's a hero, but it's really Darkseid's son. And Darkseid fights him all the time, but Darkseid secretly loves him because it's really his kid. It's Dude, like you're right. all dramatic as fuck. Her name is Granny Goodness. Granny goodness, yeah. It's so stupid. What a stupid name. Holy <laughs> shit, dude. Um, so on that note, they go to Russia, and there's a lot more of a fleshed-out story here where, like, basically oh, it was giant there. laser beam in the sky. The Superman, anti-life, like, algorithm. Yeah, they find the anti-life uh, algorithm, like you said. He's trying to open a portal, so Darkseid comes to the Earth and kind of terraforms the deal. Um, there's no Russian family here that Superman has to fly away and save with the Flash. There's just a lot of destruction and Batman killing parademons. Um, they start fighting Darkseid, like you said. What's that? I don't know. You bought yours. Flash and some can. What is that? Monkey. Uh, it is monkey. Yeah. in the baselines. There you go. Oh yeah, real Ness. Oh, I got a power plant, triple IPA. Ooh, I have a free hazy from Coronado, which is also free. No big deal. There you go. Man, I've had one hazy from Coronado recently. Other than that, like I haven't had a beer from Coronado like, like probably like five plus years. <laughs> well, you not in a Mermaid Red? Come on. I used to like the Mermaid Red, but then they like disappeared out of nowhere. So we're in Russia and uh, they're all fighting Darkseid, or I'm sorry, they're fighting uh, Steppenwolf. Superman shows up and just starts punching the fuck out of Steppenwolf over and over again. And the Flash is outside like running. And then like Cyborg is supposed to collapse the mother box and he kind of fails. And dark side, the portal opens to dark side, and it's a very cool looking scene. And they've lost essentially, but the flash is like, gotta run as fast as I can. So he starts running as fast as he can, and he reverses time, it shifts everything back. And then they start fucking up dark side even more. Superman lasers off one of dark side's horns. That was right. No, it was not dark Steppenwolf, but yeah, he I'm lasers sorry, Steppenwolf, that was yeah. Lasers off Steppenwolf's horn. Aquaman impales him on his trident, throws him, and in the midair, well, Steppenwolf is flying towards the portal. Wonder Woman chops off his head. It's really yeah, cool. That was a great coup de grace. I was like, ah, oh, they're just going to send him back to Darkseid. Darkseid will probably kill him. No, yeah, they're the going to behead him in route. Yeah. The head and the body flies into the portal, and Darkseid just kind of looking at the Justice League. And then Darkseid basically does his, he has this Thanos fine, I'll do it myself moment where he's just like, we will do it the old ways. So it's implying that he's going to invade Earth now, old school style with an armada, right? And then it pans up to the Justice League looking all heroic and heroic music is playing. And that's where the fucking movie should end. But it does not. <laughs> nope. Now we're going to talk about where the movie really fucking nosedives down from here. Um, the first scene is Martian Manhunter flying. No, I'm sorry. The first scene is a dream sequence, which is the dystopian future. You've got Batman in a trench coat with a gun. You've got the Flash with the Tony Stark armor. Cyborg. You've got um, Mara with a British accent. Horribly done. Dead. 
correct? Uh, and you've got uh, um, before that, they show the cutscene of Jesse Eisenberg recruiting with Deathstroke. Deathstroke. Deathstroke is in this dystopian scene, though. And then you've got the Joker. And I hate Jared Leto as a Joker. Yeah, but he's not that bad in this little extra snippet. This one's better than his green neon fucking terrible Suicide Squad bullshit. He only had two minutes, really, so. Hey, man, it was a better two minutes than that whole Suicide Squad film. Give me a break. Okay. I'll grant you that, but he's still god-awful in this. He's terrible. Well, also, he does they, a, they took it such a weird direction. So Jesse Eisenberg meets Deathstroke, and you're like, oh, yeah. cool. He's like, oh, I bet you'd like to know uh, Bruce Wayne is Batman. And we're all like, oh, shit. And they, they do did not say that in the other one. Yeah, they but they do zero with that. They're like, man, okay, cool. So they, stay, they skip over that meaning anything and go right to this weird fucking world end sequence. In the other cut scene, all he, he does not tell Deathstroke that Bruce Wayne is Batman. All he says is, Perhaps we should form our own league or, or something like that, which is which is leading to, um, what is it? The Legion the, of uh, Doom, right? Legion of Doom, yes. Um, so when we go to this, like the Joker is having this dialogue with Batman and he's giving reach around jokes and he's talking about Batman letting people die and it's fucking god awful. It really is, dude. I cannot stand Jared Leto as a Joker. I just, He's the I don't worst. know. It just doesn't make sense. Like, why do they need Joker? Like, I, I don't get it. To bait Superman in? I, I don't know. They all shit their pants when Superman lands. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but they also like, like, kind of like puff up, like they're gonna fight him. It's like we're just run. I don't know where you're gonna run into desert, but like, clearly you're not gonna be able to hurt the guy. Uh, Robert, what'd you, what'd you take from this whole scene here? I mean, I got nothing to add, obviously. Uh, I don't understand it. Um, even like as a comic book guy, as a movie goer, I just don't get this scene at all. Like, I know it ties into whatever it was that, <clears throat> that Snyder had envisioned originally. Mm. But even that, and I, I, I still don't really get what's going on. I mean, it makes sense hearing from like you and Lewis that like in this alternate universe that Batman goes batshit crazy, and that makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. But when I first watched this, I was just like, okay, well, like more context, more context, and yeah. you never get it, you know, because we're waiting for that next movie that right. we may or may not never ever get now. Right. So to me, I just kind of took it for what it was and. One's confusing. Um, and two, yeah, like, I mean, I, I agree with Lewis 100%. Like, I do not like, or sorry, I forget who said it now. Mm. I think it was you, the guy. I do not like Jared Leto. Is he better oh, he's than two minutes? Is, is he better than his two minutes in, in Suicide Squad? Yeah, probably. Um, but man, he, he's, he's awful. I just do not like him. I, I do not like Jared Leto, period. I, I think he just begged, like, please, let me do something to unfuck that whole movie, just to show them I could have done... Just to say, I, I could have done something else with the character had it not just been written off. Like, yeah. let me show you anything. Yeah, but dude, this is a four-hour movie, and he's in the worst fucking part of this whole thing. Yeah, like, totally. I, I thought this was fantastic if it would have just cut right there, where they showed that heroic 
uh, scene. Even just ending with the, hey, by the way, Batman's Bruce Wayne. That's a great ending. Like, oh, cool. And then Batman versus Deathstroke, the movie we all wanted, but we'll never get. um, Would have been a great movie from that. And then, you know, Bruce wakes up and you got Ben Affleck back who doesn't give a fuck anymore. He's over Batman. And he walks out to his patio. Martian Manhunter flies down. And, you know, I don't mind the Martian Manhunter part and the scene, but if you look at Affleck's It's not uh, necessary. He doesn't reaction. do anything for the movie. Yeah, Affleck's just, so just like, can I help you? There's an alien that just flew down to your steps well, right here. Well, well, technically, Superman is an alien. He just doesn't look like Martian, the Manhunter. I know, dude, but he just... I feel like Affleck just phoned in this also whole... he just fighting dark or not dark side uh no the other guy from the first one doomsday doomsday and wolf and dark side you know yeah like, Batman's sure. some shit up to this point yeah for sure. yeah and, like he's desensitized <laughs> and then and then like, Marshall okay, what else you got you have weird bunny rabbit aliens next like what yeah the fuck? all right green guy cool what what do you want Marshall Manhunter's like, oh, well, it's time for me to join the fight. And it's like... <laughs> oh, yeah, the fight's over, Chief. Thanks for helping out for the so last three and a half hours. Tacked on, dude. That's <laughs> so bad. Uh, I just... This whole scene was completely unnecessary. Um, it really diminished the Snyder Cut, so to speak. What I don't understand is originally, so in the opening, Green Lanterns are involved. They kill sure. one, which was glorious, too. It was a great scene. Yeah. Um, and then Snyder originally said later on he was so sad that they forced him to give up the lanterns. It's like bringing a lantern back into this and just forcing, I don't know, anything would have been way better than the Martian Manhunter business. I mean, he did nothing. He meant nothing. The two scenes were forced as hell, and they did nothing for anything. Um, just CGI lantern coming down and shooting something. I don't know. Fucking that would have been way better because because the lanterns were present in the beginning and it looked great. Well, How about Brian this? Being it actually. No, I'm just kidding. The fuck. <laughs> I was gonna say. How about this uh, to end this film? You got a new Hal Jordan, whoever that is, and uh, he's getting out of his you know his uh, fighter jet. He's in the shower, or whatever, and he's walking out to his car. And the fucking ring finds him. And that's how the movie ends. How awesome would that be? Yeah, that would have been great. You know, instead of Martian Manhunter flying down and flying away at the end, which, I mean, like I said, I I, I liked the Martian Manhunter part of it. Like, it was cool to see him in the movie. And, you know, he has some dialogue. He's such a little bitch side character that barely does anything meaningful all the time. For you to put him in this movie... Uh, and then make him for sure do literally nothing. You're like, that. that's not helpful for anybody. No. Yeah. I, I'm not going to lie. Just again, as you're, you know, a passive DC universe, you know. Martian Manhunter is the, the least interesting. Like he's a trash character. 100%. You know what? I'm actually the most interested about everything that we've talked about right now is that in Justice League alter- alternate universe where that, or sorry, Superman goes batshit crazy, which is kind of, you know, the prelude here that we see at the very end of the movie and you know and again like i i think that sounds very interesting to explore and i would love to see a movie on that but we may never get it we're never gonna get it if we did get one it'd be like them versus somebody else it will not be like the fucking crazy dystopian 
Superman's a naughty guy, and we have that would be a horror movie. Remember that one movie where it's like the little Superman kid? That's what I was trying to think of. Yeah. And then like the they couldn't Bright stop him. Yeah. Brightburn. Yeah. Brightburn. Brightburn. Yes. Like imagine a movie done like correctly with, with that premise. Like, yeah. Holy shit, dude. This guy who's unstoppable and has every power ever, you know, like it would, it would be insane to see that for sure. But, um, as we finish this up here, uh, we will start with let's start with Robert. Robert, one to ten, would he give this Snyder cut? I mean, I really wish I knew what I'd give the original, dude. I really did. Um, if I had to rate the original theatrical cut right now, I'd probably go like six-ish. Mm-hmm. So I'd probably, to be fair to this movie, I'd go like seven, seven point five, but that seven point five might even be too high. Okay. Seven seven what do you got on this lewis one to ten so i'm gonna say i probably didn't shit on the theatrical nearly as hard as after looking back i would say theatrical versus this gets a three because it's theatrical is fucking awful um and i would say like seven and a half eight like there's some sins to this movie but there's so much cool fun shit they really unfuck a lot of it um the ending's completely not necessary and they're they just in just just ejaculated certain scenes in this film that didn't need to be there. Uh, like anything with Martian Manhunter, I'm your mama, Matt Martian mama. Um, like they, it just didn't need to happen. But um, but man, it's just so, but good for them. We may never see anything like this ever again. So I would give it even higher. I would give it an eight for sure because who knows? There's so many people who want to see like the the so and so cut of this and the so and so cut of that. But they spent so much fucking money on this goddamn movie. We may never see a weird fucking broken anything version of any other movie like this ever again. This might be a once in a lifetime kind of thing. So they spent a hundred million dollars to have Joss Whedon come in and, and correct this, and then another 75 million just to get the Snyder cut out. Um it's fucking incredible just the money they spent on all this shit. But you know, up until the last 20 minutes of this movie. Um, I thought this is one of the better superhero movies we've seen. Um, it was a very, very easy watch for me. Um, with all this, you know, with all the problems, the slow-mo and all those things, I thought this is a very enjoyable film, very fleshed out and explained quite well. I'm going with you with eight out of 10. Um, but the last 20 minutes of this, it just really brings this movie down. It ends on a fucking sour note. I wish it didn't, but it does. And four hours is just a long time to be sitting here watching a movie like this. But did it seem that long to you, though? No, miles better than the original Justice League. I mean, after after I got past maybe like the first like forty minutes, like the next like three plus hours just like flew by for me. If it would have, if they would have just been able to clean this up a bit. And if they release this theatrically back in 2017, this would have done well, I think. Um, it would have done seems, better. Yeah, I mean, it seems and to be knows, If he released it back in 2017, the ending may not have been nearly as fucking crazy. I think the ending is as batshit crazy. I think it's just a call to, like, look what you guys all could have had had you just gone with me to fucking begin yeah. with. 
I, sure. I think it probably would have ended a lot more reserved than it fucking yeah. did in this movie because yeah. he was just like, well, I'm not going to get my sequel anyway, so I better show you guys what you could have had. It's sure. like a little like butthole wink, like little, you like that? You, you like that? Yeah. It's definitely self-indulgent for sure, dude. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was, this was, it redeemed the Justice League overall. Um which is all you want from, from this, because I, I wanted this in 2017 to be just as epic as Avengers, because as a comic book fan, like this is what you want. You want both these films to be badass and great. And it, it just wasn't, dude. And um, seeing this, if they would have released that back then, it, 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 yeah, would it have been as epic as Avengers? No, but it would have been but- close. Lewis made a comment earlier, earlier in the podcast. So, like, you know, Zack Snyder had the luxury of tweaking the things that he saw didn't work. Right. What if he didn't have that luxury and he would have just released whatever his final cut was? Yeah, we're not sure what the actual Snyder cut would have looked like to begin. Yeah. I guarantee you that Andy wouldn't have been nearly as batshit crazy. Would we still be talking about this movie? At, you know, eight out of ten. Maybe not. But I mean, is I think the things that we're, we're forgetting about are hard to acknowledge because they just felt so correct that they don't stand out. Like the backstory for Cyborg, like really fleshing out all the story. Yeah. It's like we just take it for granted because you're like, oh yeah, that, it should have just always been that way. And that then you like you like look back at theatrical, you're like, oh god, yeah, they just cut everything in into like snippets, just like ugh, See, they ruined if, everything. But if if Zack Snyder would have seen this through originally. And he only had two and a half hours to do so. Would we still have gotten that full, you know, cyborg backstory? I think cyborg for sure. There, dude, there's so much fat on this movie. There's yeah, there so is, much there fat sure. on this movie. Oh my god! I think, like I said, you can cut out at least like 20 minutes with slow mo and still get the main point across. <laughs> you could have cut out the 20 minute arrow building scene. You know, like they, they he could have cut a lot of this shit out, but um. This is miles better than the theatrical release. There's no doubt about yeah, it. And they, and they said, hey, make the movie as long as you want. He's like, cool, I'm going to make it like four and a half hours. They're like, we don't give yeah. a fuck. He's like, great, buckle up. Yeah. Yeah. All right, boys. Well, uh, thanks for joining me on this discussion. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. Cheers. Cheers, guys. We're up top.